And we are live on the Weirdos Only podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest, um, basically representing, you know, when I say South Bay, I always say, you know, say Chula Vista, you know, National City, but you're representing all the way down to Baja. All the way down um, to Baja. Yeah. yeah. So um, today we have Hector Mesa. I'll go ahead and uh, let him introduce himself. He's got a he's got a pretty impressive resume that I'm pretty sure you guys will, will love. And I'm pretty sure you're probably, you're probably a lot of people's... Um, a lot of people's parents, you know, because my parents watched, you know, some of those shows that, that you're mm. on and stuff like that. And, you know, I used to frequent them before, um, but I think now it's like a lot of the and that's good, though. Right. The parents yeah. watching it. So go yeah, ahead. Because they can they can pass that down to their kids. Right. That's who you need to reach. Yeah. That's the thing. You know what I mean? That's yeah. who you need to reach. Right. Know, and, and it's always I mean, there's that culture and that family thing. Right, bro. But I don't know. My resume is that expressive. Right, bro. I just do my work, bro. I, I think I'm just consider myself a very humble dude and yeah. doing the work I do. Right. I'm representing National City. No, there, you go. Anything, there you go. There you go. That's why we're more city. La Barrio, yeah. right? <laughs> so that that's pretty much when we moved, and most of my life experiences have been there, right? And then um, well, my family is from Guadalajara. And oh Tijuana. shit! I don't know you're from Guadalajara, yeah, bro. My yeah, my family's from Jalisco. From uh, I don't know if you know Outland. Yes, Outland. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Santana's from there. Oh, yeah, we have I an Avenida Carlos Santana and everything. No wonder. Yeah, yeah. yeah we have uh, um, my great my grandparents from my paternal grandparents from Sayula. Oh, okay. Right, about a, about an hour and a half from the ciudad. But okay. then my mother's side, um, we have some family in Guadalajara itself. So we're Jaliscienses, bro. Let's start Jalisco, everybody, right? Yeah. Guadalajara's a beautiful place, man. man it's been a, it's been a trend, bro. Because the last, uh, yeah, the last uh, last guest, one of them was from also Jalisco, and uh, she was she was saying she was from all over the place. But then the other guy, I think episode fifty two, he was from Ciudad Guzman. Orale. You know, yeah, it's right by Sayula. It's one of the main main cities. Yeah, so you're the well. other way. I'm the other you're way. The other, we're like yep. you're. That's a what? That's a east. Yes. Right? So yeah. I'm, I'm. We're by Sayula's by Ciudad Guzman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a. I was. I was. Uh, I was there most of my young. You know, my childhood with my grandmother and and bro. I, I was man. I got to experience um, when people were milking cows. Yeah. Right. There was no. My great grandmother didn't have. Oh, I remember. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, like refrigerator, bro. Like <laughs> yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah, bro. yeah. Not not the privilege we have today. I know? remember my my aunt um um drinking like the milk, you yeah. know, like like all like fresh or whatever. Right, and I was right. like, what? And I was like, oh shit, it's all warm. So, I was like, my grandma you know, loved that shit. Bro. I was a kid, you know. That's yeah. why I would tell people like my like for example, my brother right now he took his kids to Mazatlan. You know, and they're hanging out at the pool and stuff like that. It's cool to have your kids travel, but you don't really think about it as a kid, right? No. You're just kind of like, yeah, I don't like this food or right, whatever. Right. It's different, I you know. McDonald's, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You but later on, you're like, oh man, I'm glad my parents, you know, because those experiences you can't take them away. Nah, you know, bro, what they I mean? stay with you. They stay. Yeah. with you. I think that's one of the biggest um, experiences that we have with grandmothers in general, right? But my abuelita, bro, is yeah. just teaching us about the cultura and. They're just a humility of people. It's a pueblo. Back in the day, it was a pueblito, bro. Yeah. Right? Um, now it's been, I mean, there's, there's the population has grown and then they're getting very, you know, I, I call it Americanized, right? Yeah. Because they have all the access of what we have here. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, bro, it was, man, it was very limited. Yeah. Right? Um, everyone knew each other. But the best thing about it is that people knew each other. Yeah. People spoke to each other, right? We don't do much. I didn't know this time of year. Yeah, my uh, my aunts, they because uh, I never met my grandma on my dad's side, and 
um, my aunts, they have like, what runs a little puesto in the mercado, you know, so everybody knows, oh, la del puesto, the puesto, so, you know, because everyone goes to the mercado. There's, right, that's where right. you got to go to get food. There's yeah, no other way, yeah. you know. And the food is good. It's, it has it's flavor, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's, there's like the little, all the little stuff. spots and stuff. And then right across from there, there was the parroquia. And that's where my other aunt worked. Yeah. And she was like the late, she worked there for like right, 30, 40 right. years or something like that, you know. So you, it's like bro. the lady at the, at the, and you know, churches in those places, you're like, everybody goes. The, church, bro, the, the yeah. institution the church institution back in the time even today right that yeah. certain countries like mexico bro they, they still dominate right um based on their religious beliefs and, and philosophies because i did research i did an yeah. um, action research on how institutions or even religion have and, and not god right bro but religion just the institution has really created this patriarchic ideology but how has that really affected women Right. Yeah. And I went all, I, so the neuroscience research on it, that it was kind of integrated and aligned with a lot of the work with, you know, some of the stuff we talked about, right? Yeah. Basil van der Kolk or Dr. Um, Mate. Gabor um, Mate. Gabor Mate, Dr. Bruce Perry. He's a, well, he's words. French. Was he French Canadian or Belgium? From Belgium. Is it Belgium? But he, he uh, wasn't, he's he was from Hungary. Oh, okay. He's from Hungary. Originally, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. didn't he, he grew up in Canada, no? He grew or, up in Canada. Okay. Yeah. He's a Canadian doctor. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of great stuff like uh, other. He know. just came out. I don't know if you saw. I think there was a, a documentary or something that he yeah. just recently came out. I've been trying to get a hold of it, but I signed up for his newsletter. I thought I was going to be able to find it on. Right. And I think you have to like, I you know, what? get I it directly can, from him. You can access like it. I think in his, in his, in his, I think his webpage is called the wisdom of trauma. Yes. Oh, bro. It's deep. Yes. I, I think I learned a lot more about myself more than anything. Yeah. Right? But just kind of relocating a lot of this um, perspective about trauma. Right. Um, and, and part of our yeah. conversation before we kind of tagged on here was a lot of that work with trauma, right? How you know, today there's a lot of, there's a lot of more traumatized young children um, that have been, you know, have been having these experiences other than also having um, adverse childhood experiences. I think one thing that's uh, right now, did you said that just clicked for me too, is that is the internet, you know, cause you can see some traumatizing shit just at a click of a yeah. button. You know what I mean? Yeah. When before yeah, you, you don't, you would have never seen hear, some yeah. crazy shit in, in, uh, happening in another country or something. Yeah. Right. Yep. So now it's just like, oh, oh, somebody sends you a video. Like, what the hell did I just watch? Yep. Like, <laughs> and it desensitizes yeah. these young kids, right? Yeah. Because then that becomes a form of ideology or reality of their own life. So then they start to create fantasies of what it really is or what life is really about. There's been, I was having a conversation with a colleague, bro, and in, in, in the ranges between the ages of 20 and 30, you, you start to see a lot of these um, social skills situations or conflicts with kids, even um, intrapersonal skills, right? Yeah. That we need to relate to each other. And what has been happening is a lot of these young kids are stuck on, on, on technology. So then they dissociate and so they don't understand their community or their social cultural development, right? And their experiences yeah. in society. You see them at, you see them at the restaurants, but I went to Sprouts and Costco, right? And I saw kids inside the carritos of grocery carts yeah. with their cell phones, bro, or iPads. Oh, the ta yeah, the tablets. Yeah. So you disconnect them from those social experiences from people, right? Yeah. From their surroundings. And then we complain later on these kids are having adolescent issues, right? And, and they're numbing themselves with a lot of substance abuse, right? Um, with the drugs or whatever it is. Well, the reason, one of those reasons is because they're numbing themselves because they don't know how to navigate their own emotional, psychological yeah. situations or experiences. Yeah. And, and I think one thing within that is like you see the kids in the, in the cart, right? On their tablet 
but what are the parents doing? Yep. They're probably on their phone. On the phone. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's just more like the, you know, I've seen those memes where it's like, oh, a little girl's reading a book and, and they're like, oh, I wish my kid read more books or something. It's like, well, then you read more books. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So your kids could see that you're reading a book. You know what I mean? And they're just, they're just, any, they're, they're going to pick it up. They're going to see the example that you're, that you're yeah. setting. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we model. So, when, you know, when, when we talk about teaching children, um, and we look at like indigenous times, bro, back at those tribes, right? Yeah. Literally, they literally taught kids. And, and it was like, that was practice, bro. They would take them, right? Yeah. And, and they, they had the roles, not, not the functional roles, right, of man and female, because they didn't have that back. It was the community. Right? Yeah. Communities didn't have mama, papa. It was the community, right? Um, colonization brought mother father right the religious perspectives brought to it but there was roles i mean just like anywhere right there was they they had roles but not the roles we know them as today right like in the family there's a role mom father has a role right yeah back in those community times it it was everyone's role so the the perspective was it takes a village right to raise a child but the role really was um men took who to hunt and gather Right, they took a lot of young men, a lot of young boys, yeah, to teach them the skills to survive. And it wasn't like, oh, this one's not my son. Right, this is, I'm just gonna take my son and Definitely. teach him. It, it was, was everybody, the community, yeah. everybody, and, yeah. and women also went and hunted together, right? But it wasn't much with 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 animals and stuff. But look at the creativity of human beings. We didn't have no YouTube or Google to 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 develop yeah. traps, right, and how to kill animals. It yeah. was just within our own innate connection with ourselves. Yeah, we developed these creative skills to hunt and gather. Right? Yeah, you look at our technology, bro. Right? Um, um, if you look at all these thought yeah. trends and right that um, there was a stick and a rock and then they just kind of put it together and then now you have a hammer. Now you can kill, right? That was a form of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tools, yeah, basically, tools, in, in, tools. inventing tools. Yep. Right. And so we started to develop from that the inception of technologies that we have, you know, today. But a lot of these tools that these kids don't have today, right? We teach them in schools. Yeah, we institutionalize children, right? And we institutionalize children even in their homes. And how yeah. do we institutionalize them, bro? We create systems. We've industrialized families, right? Families are like schools. Even the mama says, you know what? If you get five stars, then you're gonna have your ice cream. Yeah, you're gonna spend time with abuelita. You're gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese. We'll take you to the park. Whatever, right? Yeah. And then we punish them. Reward systems. We start to use reward systems, right? So we condition these kids that what's more important, right, is not that you learn the value of human beings to treat others, but what you're gonna get is the outcome. Yeah. Right. If we look at Gordon Newfield's work, he talks about social play. And social play, he says, let kids play. No outcome. But we create outcomes. They tend to organize red games, and you have an outcome, right? we have to win that's not social yeah. play right that's that has this um organized yeah there's a there's a like you said there's an outcome there's you know you gotta you gotta win who won yeah. and definitely and in social play bro kids just play right that's yeah. what they start to develop and create right my nephews play in national city they play las palmas and i've seen the horror stories of more of the parents right that they're like oh we won it was like dude like it's it, like you got to calm down <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it's it's the parents are getting super intense right, the right. kids don't even care they don't you know and, and you know what um um just this morning i was doing this virtual conference and i was talking about how a lot of parents own, they have a lot of void right and, and within their void they want to fulfill it with their own kids so parents dominate children with their own reward system yeah living vicariously through them yeah exactly 
So what what's that vicarious living through them is, is when kids get a reward from, let's just say a kinder kid, right? Gets a certificate, he was well-behaved, parents go all happy. I mean, that's good, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the reflection. Or that's your projecting according or to Or you're thinking, hey, I'm raising this kid right. right. You know, it's a little bit of exactly. validation. So then a- that's what they get validated. So what do they do? They upload that picture on their, you know, mainstream media, whatever they have, and then they get the likes and they get the comments and they yeah. feel really good, right? So they, they start to project. Their look own what voice. I did. Yes, look what I'm doing. I am the good mother, right? Yeah. Because I myself think sometimes that I'm the bad mother. So as a, as a family school counselor, bro, I work in elementary schools and we see this a lot, right? And I see this a lot even with children, right? Yes, it's good to validate, you know, your, your child's behavior. However, man, your child's still suffering. Yeah. He's struggling, right? There's a lot of sadness, a lot of anxiety with these children. And I think what we have to really get to the point, bro, is um, it's just the adversities children go through, right? And, and I think even technology has come to kind of disconnect las familias. Right? They're not as connected as they used to be. Yeah. Right? Our connections is, is through texting and all this, you know, technological stuff that mainstream that has come to really divide the family instead of getting the family together. Yeah. And it creates, it creates a lot more um, insecurity with a lot of children. We become more secure. And we talk about relationship-based, right? Um, look at what it used to be before. Before relationship-based was just <laughs> um, um, one person for life, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because I was, you were married forever, quote-unquote, right? Yeah, like in yeah. Those time, the culture types. Now you can choose a thousand with those dating apps, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that leaves a lot of people with insecurities, right? Because then now you create this, like, who's the one? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the whole, like... Um you know, Prince Charming, like Definitely. perfect, perfect person. My soul man. And, you know, we're not, and we're not, people aren't looking to try to actually build something, right? And to actually try to understand other people because they're thinking, well, the right person is just going to understand me and it's all just going to click, 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 click. And there's yeah. not going to be any, there's not going to be any pushback. Yeah, it's just going to, I don't know, I'm going to feel it. And yeah. I think that too many times and i'm you know i'm a victim of it and or, or, or you know i don't say victim but uh i'm a i'm a proprietor whatever you want to call it of it is is we're going based off of a feeling in a moment right but that feeling could be a trigger right it could be some something like you mentioned like with a, an attachment issue right Definitely. because maybe somebody's being good good to us and we're used to our dad like you know one thing that you mentioned earlier um, before we jumped on was and that's why i wanted that's why i'm like wait let me hit record <laughs> um was uh um it, you know your parents right because maybe having really strict parents right that like you're used to kind of someone they do you think they have the best your best and best interest in mind right like uh for me for example like tying it to religion as well right you're like well yeah this you know i gotta be religious and i gotta listen to the word of god but i know for a fact i mean i know it's not the most popular um opinion but i know for a fact that religion was a big cause of my anxiety right yep. because if i mean you know ex- excuse but if i did something wrong i knew that it was like oh well you're gonna go to hell yeah right if you if you like you know because it was like oh don't masturbate or don't you know don't right. uh don't talk back to your parents yep. it's like what well, my dad said something that upset me you know was i just supposed to suppress myself and you know what i mean but then yep. now you feel guilty 
you feel like you're innately bad and that's where shame comes in exactly. and then it's just boom 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 yeah. all that and, stuff is just not good and that's the aftermath of the residual effects of colonialism bro that's right the way they were colonized yeah and, and we and is that word obedience right you have to be obedient we continue to use it that's so yeah. right you gotta tienes que ser obediente. yeah and, and that's the concept of obedience right it's got to be obedient to um the authority and some people just fall right in, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's like that going back to your point of like schools, right? It's like some kids are great in school, right? And some kids aren't that great in school, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be successful in life, right? Right? Because some of those kids that maybe sucked at school, it's because none of it interested them. You know right. what I mean? They're guys that like to work with their hands or something, you yeah. know what I mean? And they built this great business now and they, or they're artists now, or there's something, you know what I mean? Because once they really figured themselves out, right. as opposed to the other ones, they just took in what people gave them. And well, the educational systems have really damaged a lot of children too, right? Because if you look, if we look at the inception of education, bro, it was uh, through boarding schools and, and to bring in all the natives, right? And to kind of indoctrinate them. Yeah. Right. And to socialize them into this quote unquote American life or mainstream westernized ideology of it. Right. They yeah. used to cut their hair. They changed their names, right? They came natives came with their names, right? They were connected to to Mother Earth or anything that represented a purpose of their life. Yeah. But it wasn't like that because then now they were called John Doe's or they were called Johnny. So it was like more like a property name that they gave them. To yeah. Institutions and we institutionalized children. Well, that makes right? you, have you seen um Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. No, no, I haven't seen no, that. No, you haven't no. seen it. So the girls, what they call them is, is um, their names are, and it's not really, it's not going to ruin the show. I don't want to spoiler, but <laughs> the girls, their names are of like, of John, of Joe, of, of Pablo. Like that's yeah. their name. Yes. Literally of, of Fred. Of somebody. So it yeah. belongs to somebody just. Yeah. Mexico, so you're not right? a person. Yeah. You're a property of Definitely. Fred. And that, and that was know? the colonization, right? Diaz de Leon. Right? Yeah, that you belong to the Leon family, you were a property of yeah. them, and so on. And, and so, so and it's interesting about that show too, because a lot of fucked up shit happens. And one thing that I read was that the author specifically, everything that was done in the show, she wanted to make sure that it was something that has been done in real life. Mm -hmm. Not that it's all from one story, but it's like, oh, okay, in Iran they were doing this, or like you know, like that. Um, I don't know what they call it, but when they they do the um, they, to women, they remove their clitoris so right. they can yeah so so things like that or people being hung for certain things or you know so she wanted to make sure that like you're looking at this in a show you think it's fucked up well it's actually happened yeah. like you know what I mean this right. isn't something this isn't just a show this has right. happened here it's happened over here and you know yeah and and we continue to have that right like in in Mid Eastern countries or some other countries right you still continue to have women being oppressed and repressed right yeah and we continue to see it even here in in Western America bro women there's a lot of oppression on women in communities black yeah. and brown right we still have that um and in in our present life yeah and i think we just don't see it because the way we frame the ideology of it right it's it's a little bit different right because we create certain um phrases that change right sometimes we i, I talk about genocide with, our, with my students i have boys group right and i talk yeah. about genocide but to sound it nice they call it collateral damage right yeah and they use those phrases when they go to war so on and so forth yeah, yeah, yeah and i think one of the biggest thing for our children to really be educated to create conciencia because there's a difference between education and schooling most of our kids are schooled right yeah so when we school and we associate them into this neoliberal educational ideology for blue collar work for some not the blue collar work is yeah. bad right but there's there's no space in this country for everyone to succeed yeah so educational systems some of the systems were designed <clears throat> if you look at claude fisher's work the american sociologist from uc berkeley right a professor he talked about how 
um, certain communities and schools in those communities were designed for these kids to fail. Yeah. We don't have the space in our country for everyone to be rich. We don't have it. We, we, it, it just it can't happen. Yeah. Because then you have oligarchies in Wall Street who continue or who control, right, um, properties and, and real estate properties. But what did you say that there's, the space is there? It's just not, you know what I mean? Like everybody can be at a good place. Not everybody's going to be these millionaires, but the space right. is there. They're just not, a, they're not allowing it. Right. And, and, it's, and it's a social order of control, right? Yeah, You start course. to control um, even the university placements. Let, let's just say, let's just say all these um, high school communities that, that, that have lacked resources, right? Or the material conditions for these kids to succeed or matriculate into university. Yeah. Let, let's just say these communities um, are, are, have like high density of gangs and drugs and, and transgenerational trauma and in undocumentation and families that, that do a lot of agriculture work, right? Let's just say a lot of these kids start going to universities, prestigious universities. Yeah. Do we really believe that these kids are going to take the seats away from kids from La Jolla, Torrey Pines, right? Yeah. It's not going to happen, right? No, but you always see these, um, you always see these stories, right? And I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm cynical or whatever, but I'm also, I don't like seeing those stories of like this Latina yeah. from from Watts um, is going is the first in blah blah yeah. blah, and she's a law and she's right. she's going right. to Harvard, she's going to Yale. I'm like, I wish I didn't have to fucking see that. So it could just be a. Th it's not a thing. It's right. just. Yeah, it happens all the time. You know, it's, it's the, like they, they try to single, look at her. Right. She got out. You could do it too. Exactly. You know, it's like, no, why How? Why is it such big news? Why? Because it, it's not, it doesn't happen. And why doesn't it happen? Maybe we, maybe that should be the news of why this doesn't happen. Why this is so rare for this girl. This girl has to go through all this shit to get through some to somewhere right. where somebody didn't have to go through much you know what right. i mean they they're what did you have to do to go to, to harvard it just like you know was it was it back in the 50s with board education ruled that um right that they can this little black girl was it in the 50s that she went to was to, it the to white school brown versus board yeah, education the, i forgot the name of the of the girl she's depicted in all these pictures right the first african-american girl who stepped into was it Ru white ruby school. bridges wasn't that something like i that? remember yeah very similar right that didn't solve the issues we continue to have right of inequities no. and disparities right it just feels like it's a little bit more on a pat on the back for them. Like they're trying to be like, hey, look, we let her in. Like, right, you know, right. we let some people in. They yeah. just got to work real hard. And that didn't solve our, you know? our continued injustices, right? Or continued disparities, social inequalities, inequities that, that is not allocated to certain communities, yeah. right? Like social epidemiology is not allocated. If we look at social epidemiology work, right? Communities continue to lack those resources. Yeah. The, the, uh, the social epidemiology of resources going into certain communities that I need. I'll give you an example. Well, we see them all over. Where are most Kaisers located? What communities are they located? Kaiser? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, you have them like in. Oh, there's one off of Palm. Old-time community, right? And, and look at the communities around there. Yeah. Now, do we see Kaisers like in Logan Heights, National City, Encanto, right? Look I don't think uh, no. So we see National City is filled with clinics. Yeah, yeah, Paradise yeah, yeah. Valley Hospital. That, that, that's old. That's San, San Isidro clinic. San Isidro clinic or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So or Sharps, right? 
with a with a lot of accessible um, resources for a lot of these families, whether it's mental health, whether it's any form. I've of never resistance. liked Kaiser though. I've never liked yeah, it. No, I didn't. Like but the, I just make reference because they're all no, over. Right? Just, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't like because even I've heard people say like, "Oh, it's just not the best," and then but it's in these other areas, you right. know. I don't. I don't know. I've, I've looked because I had a buddy who's a. He was actually my, the first episode I ever did, and he's a health insurance broker. And so he tells me the plans. I'm like, ah, oh, this just doesn't sound good. And like, just the availability to them as well. Like, oh, it's way over there. Yeah. You know. And I just because we we've, we've capitalized we've capitalized human beings. We capitalized emotions. Yeah. Like, let's let's in businesses right right now that you name your buddy, um, in business transactions, bro. What do they talk about? Let's negotiate. Right? Yeah. So you're negotiating a big business account, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. And they teach um, Fortune 500 companies social skills, social emotional learning skills, so they can know how to develop these relationships with other um, persons who have big accounts and big money and bring them into the company. Yeah. Where do you think those social emotional programs land at our schools? Now we teach kids, right? So we have this whole push on social emotional learning. So I call yeah. it social emotional wellness, right? We don't need learning. I don't need to teach a kid to love and, and behave, right? Um, I mean, we can model it, right? We can model how to behave in based through relationship, right? And they look yeah. at the research, relationship helps buffer a lot of these kids' adversities and traumas, so on and so forth. Relationships. Yeah. But a lot of people are so loath to have relationship with others because they seem they don't like kids at all, right? Even though they say they love kids, so on and so forth. So anyways, um, so social emotional learning talks about, so they impose a form of respect or social skills development. So when these kids, this is your like neoliberal education or your socialization into this blue collar work. Yeah. When these kids go into this form of work. They already have the skills to be compliant, right? With what respect is. Because the way we teach respect is callate, be quiet because I'm talking to you. I'm the teacher and you don't talk back. Yeah. I would be oppressive. Right? Yeah. That's not respect. Well, and that's, that's something. Yeah, yeah. When you were talking earlier that I, you were saying about, you know, what, what they're teaching, I feel like, you know, and, and even in, at the university level, is there. They're pretending like they're trying to teach kids to be free thinkers, but they're not, right? It's just like you're not allowing them to be, you know, to make certain decisions and and to have their own opinions as well. You're kind of, you know, telling them, yeah, that's that's cool, but this is what this is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of allowing them to make those decisions for themselves, I agree with you. And we talk about um, having student voice, right? Some of the schools talk about student voice. All right, if we want to talk about student voice, have the kids assess the teachers, have them evaluate the teachers. Yeah. Right. Let's have from kindergarten all the way to sixth grade. Let's have them. Let's create an evaluation and, and questions and have kids answer these questions about teachers. You ain't going to like it. Because yeah. kids are going to speak the truth. Yeah. Right. And if they speak the truth, it's, it's not going to look good for the teacher. Right. Yeah. So, well, they end up finding blame. I remember I used to be a tutor too. So it was like, uh, they were like, oh, well, it's because his mom doesn't. I was like, well, that's, I mean, what are you going to do about that? You have right. to just only what you have right what you have here in the classroom right and and, and i agree bro i mean i mean teachers are human beings too right so yeah. sometimes we have like secondary trauma with teachers they themselves have a lot of their own issues right and, and not in general because a lot of teachers um there's some good teachers right they really want to do the work and help the kids and sometimes they're faced with the system right yeah and so how, how then how do we create critical thinking or critical practices into our educational systems where we help kids read society and understand society Right. That's Paulo Freire's work. Right. Where Paulo Freire talked about how do we teach kids to be literate to society? How, how do we teach them how to read society, how to rise above oppression systems, oppressive systems, right? Or systems that are not allowing that student to be free. Yeah. Right? And how are we really free? I mean, what does that really mean? 
right? Yeah. How do we just juxtapose that freedom with liberty? What, yeah. what does being free mean? So creating like critical thinking practices in schools, right, really helps the kids. But this is where the teacher only teaches where the kids self-reflect and they come up with their own answers. Yeah. But we created this, what is called banking of education, right? We tell the kids what they have to learn. They're just receptors and we just deposit, right, what I'm teaching you. And then that's it, right? They become very like automated robots. Yeah. Right? So that's why I, I don't remember shit what I went through my elementary school years, yeah. middle, middle school, high school, nor even universities. Right? I don't remember 90 plus percent of the stuff I learned Yeah, because we've evolved. And the stuff that they continue to use in certain universities or elementary schools, bro, it's, it's outdated. Do my district, the Chula Vista Elementary School District, still uses freaking stuff from like 1950s and 60s, replacement behavior. Let's replace their behavior. That, we need to understand where that the behavior is coming from. Yeah. We don't need to replace the behavior. How do we do it? Expected, unexpected behaviors, right? Yeah. They're still in use, right? So in their meta-analysis or theoretical framework, right, it's not working. It hasn't worked. Well, when you have people that think they're doing the right thing too, right? Because they're going by the book. They're like, the information is there yeah. and it says X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, but then again, I guess you can make the argument that they're not free thinkers though. Right. You know? Right. So how do we create free thinkers? What does that really mean? And what does that really look like? Yeah. Right? And I think connecting these kids to their cultura, where they're coming from, to the kids I work with have no idea what culture means. Yeah. Right. Or at least what their ethnicity is. They have no clue. I have the, what we call it, the tonalamal, or which is, people know it as the Aztec calendar, right? Or the Mexica rock. And kids look at it and they're like, what is that? They have no clue. Or other kids are like, dude, my dad has that tattoo in his back, right? <laughs> I'm like, damn, bro. They sell us at the border. Like, yeah, like, mm. dude, this, this is wisdom right here. So I start to teach certain stages, right? What that means and what that represents, right? The physical, mental, emotional aspect and spiritual elements of who we are. The holistic approach. Yeah. Right? The, the, the end of days and so just the continued work right of of even it has like the infant adolescent adult and connected to abuelos and the teachings of it right yeah and so they see the 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 face in the middle right they're like oh my god what is that what does that look like right and i say what's donatio and i start to teach them what that means um but kids have no clue bro in the raw honestly like 90 plus percent of our school where i work at Montgomery elementary being in the tijuana yeah right their parents are um mexicanos right mexicanos mexicanos americanos Latinos, Latinx for some, right? Yeah. To disrespect those um, communities. But that's where they come from. And they have no idea who they are. And what does our cultura give you? Well, it's also going from, yeah, over there and then coming over here, right? And then they're like, are we people from over there? Or why do they send us to school over here? Like, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then you have these bicultural, you know, experiences from these kids, right? Yeah. So they're at a school and our school is like monolinguals, English only, right? These kids, it's very difficult for them to speak English because of their experience. This is my first year at that school. Yeah. And so we're teaching the right social emotional learning and all that stuff. I have young girls, bro, they're fourth, fifth, and sixth graders who have witnessed narcotraficante stuff with their siblings, cousins, uncles, yeah. fathers. Social emotional ain't gonna do shit with them witnessing, right? Narco stuff in their communities because they live in Tijuana. Yeah. In their communities. And then we don't understand the 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 subcultural relevancy that they come from, right? My conversations with them are about these young girls, bro. Their, their, their vision, I want to marry a narcotraficante. 
right? That's well, because they're the ones that they see that actually succeed, right? Definitely, economically, right? Social workers, you don't see them as successful because they they're don't. just like, you know, right. or if anything, sometimes you get pissed off at them because they didn't give you what you wanted, right? You couldn't get the help that you needed and they were like, hey, sorry, I right. can't do so much. Right? I, I, I know, and, and that's what it is. And so a lot of this, these young girls, right, because of the self-image and, and they have cousins who, you know, are dating little narquillos. Yeah. And so they're getting fixed up. You know, they're 15, 16, yeah. and the girls are like 25 in models because that's what's going on in, in, in at least that country, right? That's yeah, yeah. my cultural experience. Los buchones. Yes, los famosos buchones, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> that they call them. And that's their ideology, right? But then the question is, where is that coming from? What, how is it that a young girl loses herself, right? into yeah. the vision so that's who i want to become or a young boy loses himself and says this is who i want to be right then you look at the music my conversation about narco corridos yeah. reggaeton that's oh. what these girls are singing and dancing to too right even some adults right yeah 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 my my uh my buddy's always talking shit about bad bunny because he was like, oh, what kind of message do you think he's <laughs> talking about mamando culo? He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, I was like, ah, well, you know. I was well, like, you got to. <laughs> it happened in our time. Looking too short. It, well, too yeah, short that's why I tell him. I'm like, dude, you can go back and he's, you know, to right. find it, something wrong with every every type of music. Right. But one thing that, you know, is, and and you're you're speaking a lot of a lot of great things, right? And a lot of a very positive things. But I think that I want to just really even wind it all the way back because. None of that shit is possible if you don't teach kids communication as a parent. If you don't talk to them, like we said before, you know, if you don't allow that kid to express itself, he's not going to speak up in class. He's not going to, you know what I mean? Because, because they're, they're afraid, right? And they're being taught to like, like you said, shut up, I'm talking yeah. kind of situation. Um, and the kids don't know, you know, what to, what to say or like they feel like they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to speak up. Right. And that becomes, an issue throughout their whole lives right now they work somewhere they don't get paid the proper amount or whatever and they're just pissed off all the time ah, i do so much blah, blah. It's like you're telling me this bro i don't work with you bro like you gotta go tell your boss <laughs> right. like you know what i mean i guess i get i'm listening to you i want you know to let you express yourself yeah. but and you got to be able to talk to people and, I, you know, we, effectively. <laughs> we go back and we take it retro, right? Just, just now, but we take it back, bro. We started um, um, women's pregnancies, right? Um, that has a lot to do with it. And we take the neuroscience and neurobiology of that child of the fetus being developed in, in a human being right inside a woman. Yeah. That woman's stress goes into those babies, bro. So they say some of the, like the, sometimes the firstborn, there's a lot more stress, right? Because it's something that they, they've not experienced before. So, that, or maybe they're like, Maybe they weren't, they didn't have the right economic, you know, the second one is more planned usually, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what they say. You mess up the first one, the next one goes good, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is too, that most women bro have a lot of fear because they don't know what, what to expect, right? Some of them didn't want to get pregnant, right? Um, yeah. So if we look at that research too, right? What what that what does that do to a human being as the, during the developmental stages? So now we look at like neurobiology, neuroscience work as well, right? And what's the neuropsychopathology that we call within that woman, right? And then what are her surroundings, right? Economically, does she have the support of her family, the community, right? The 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 baby daddy, we call it, or the father of that child. How is he yeah. responsive to that as well? Now, let's put this in perspective. Um, let's just say, you know, a woman is pregnant. She doesn't know she's pregnant until the third month. According to research, bro, that baby's already undesired three months. Right, and that's already affecting that child. So that's an abandonment and rejection. Then, because she doesn't know she's pregnant. She doesn't know she's pregnant. What? Right? Yeah. So now, 
when she does find out she's pregnant, what do most women do that don't want to get pregnant? One, they get scared, right? Or whatever they, they go through, right? They get stressed, scared, nervous. Yeah. They don't know what's going to happen, right? Some of them are like, right away, I don't want to have them, right? Others are like, should I get an abortion? Like, I don't know. And then, What are your options, basically? Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. right away. And then you go to, you know, the father of this child and you tell him, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. And some of them, most men are like, I don't want them, right? Yeah. Go get an abortion. Imagine that abandonment and rejection. That's reject. You're rejecting that child. Yeah. And that child's limited. So what is what is going on is like the high cortisol level, the allostatic load of this woman goes directly to the cell, which is called the part of the symbiosis. Is that connection of that mother to that child? Yeah. And those stress hormonal levels, cortisol and adrenaline, are going straight to that child. So the mother's highly stressed, right? Because he said, no, now what is she going to do? She was going to school. She doesn't have a sustainable economic job. Where is she going to live? What are my parents going to say? She, most of them start going through all this um, analysis of their life. Yeah. And they, the first night comes. Second night, third night, one week, two weeks, she doesn't sleep. She's scared. She cries. She's depressed. Yeah. The child is living everything with that mother. Let's just say a mother says, yeah, I want them. I want to have them. I love my child. I want to have them. Right? She has them. Even how a woman gives birth has a lot to do with it, right? How she does? How, I mean, if she if she has a um, what is it called? The dep- not the depopulator. That's a the uh, uh, epidural. Oh, uh, epidural. Epidural. Yeah. Or of a C-section. If we look at research, a lot more women are having C-section. Now we look at the um, a lot of the research in women and pregnancies and the psychology of it. Most women are afraid of their own body processes, right? Yeah. And so if you have... If you Isn't have, a C-section usually because of an I issue mean, or... Yeah, because there's a lot, there's some issues they need to take the baby out, so on and so forth, yeah. right? In that sense, it's good right, to kind of save the baby, so on and so forth. Yeah. And so now we go into development. So you have nine months internal utero, and then you have nine months external utero. And the first nine, the first two months of that baby's life, now this is um, Dr. Bruce Perry's work, right, with brain development. Yeah. The first two, three months of that child are the most crucial for that baby, right? The most crucial because of neurons and, and attachment. You look at attachment theory as well. Now, let's look at this ideology of let the baby cry, right? Yeah. The baby cries. So when I do workshops, bro, and I, talk, and I, make, I do this example, mama gives birth, baby cries. What do doctors do or nurses? Who do they give that child to? The mom. The mom, right? They put them on the chest. And what does that child do? When the child's crying, they put him on the mother's chest. What is what is usually calms down? It calms down, bro. There was no social emotional intervention, and the baby's crying. You stop crying, or you're not gonna see your mom. They knew. Yeah. They knew naturally. You give that child to that to that mother. The child starts crying. So you have your brain circuitry regulating, right? Endorphins. Um, you have endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, right? And oxytocin. Yeah. All those chemicals. Or oxytocin is a love chemical, right? But all those chemicals start to regulate. You have emotional regulation. You have behavior regulation. Baby stops. Baby right away wants to find the mother's breast because it wants to feed. Emotional nutrition. Yeah. All that is a form of bonding, proximity, attachment to that child from that mama, right? And they keep them there. That's where the baby survives. That's survival for that child. It cannot survive without mother. Right, and there are situations where there there needs to be some medical interventions, and the child needs to be taken. Right? Yeah. Um. He's he's in, in, in the two for whatever reasons. Right. Yeah. Baby starts to grow up, one year, two year, three years old. Right, and then we start to name the child's experiences. Right. 
then we start to integrate portate bien, sit over here, right? Other other therapists talk about, I don't know, some of them still use timeout, right? Restrict them from a cell phone and technology. And, and my question is, how is that going for you? <laughs> They're like, it's not working. It's not going to work because we don't see the relationship. In the, we, we need to go back to attachment theory, right? In Spanish, we call it apego, right? And the attachment about this child and this baby that is part of the brain development. So the circuitry of the brain develops with good relationship, healthy relationship with the mother in the environment. And the brain circuitry starts to develop as well. So you have this neurophysiological development that's healthy for that child and that mama. Right? Yeah. Then what do we do when the child doesn't have that? Then there's all these stressors and the neurophysiologist hijacked and the baby starts to, you know, misbehave, quote unquote. But instead of the misbehavior, they call it adaptive or maladaptive behavior. So the maladaptive behavior is a kid portándose mal in schools, in classrooms, you know, throwing chairs, doing that. That's a maladaptive behavior. Okay, so what was the adaptive behavior first? The adaptive behavior is a child went through abuse, saw the mama, you know, in domestic violence, or mama was working a lot. She wasn't present in that child's yeah. life. He needed to adapt from that absence mother to survive. The maladaptive behavior is what it, that child is manifesting. So what do we do as school systems, institutions? We just respond to the symptoms of that child, right? And we don't go back to the origins. Yeah. And to help him build the relationship so then he can have safety and then have him buffer through relationship his experiences. But when there's kids going through all these experiences, bro, we look at the child and who do we make responsible to the child? And most adults say, what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. Dr. Brew Perry has a really good book called What Happened to You. And what's wrong with you is what happened to you. So then you have this um, therapeutic web that Dr. Bruce Perry uses, right? And that's where we look at social culture, development culture, family, community, society, clans that have resources to help these young kids. And when we talk about family, for example, mama's working a lot. Who's a good resource? Abuelita, right? Or tia, yeah. or padrino, or a soccer coach. He goes and he builds that relationship, right? Yeah. This is part of the resources. This is part of it takes a village to raise a child. Right, mama isn't there now. The question is, how do we make mamas responsible also for that upbringing? Yeah, because we cannot institutionalize children in general, right? Because therapists take care of it. I, I was sitting in a meeting, bro, in in, in elementary because most of them, right? And it was such. I was telling my my <clears throat> my principal, um, Doctor Wood was bro. It was a trick because we were sitting down, we we're helping this child, and it was like the RSP teacher the speech therapist, the school psychologist, the, the teacher, myself, the counselor, and the principal, and the mom. Yeah. And everyone, we're going to do this and this and this for your child. You agree? My mom says yes. Yeah. We're raising that kid in front of that mama. We're providing the resources. But not one, bro, not the system does not have resources. Hey, mama, maybe you should spend more time with this child. And that's where I come in. And I say, with well, moms and I do like this evaluation, bro. And my evaluation for these parents is the adverse childhood experiences, social epidemiology study. What did you know? What did you go through, mama, when you were a kid? And it, and it, and it has like ten categories that it looks at, right? Any forms of abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, psychological, mental abuse, any form of mental health. You know, when she was a child, from her mamas, um, anyone you know, using alcohol, any loss, anyone died in the family, anyone in prison. So utilizing this based on a scale, right? If they answered, um, if she had out of the 10 adversities, if she has more than three. If the mother did? Yes. Okay. If, so she lived as a child. If she had more than 
more than three. Yeah. She, 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 her potential was for her to have a mental health issue herself. Yeah. And most parents do. At this case, she had a mental health situation. Yeah. So she's been diagnosed with depression and clinical depression, anxieties, and she's been yeah. medicated. So how does she respond with attunement, right? When you're attuned to your child yeah. with this cariño y amor. And she herself is going through a lot of mental health situations, right? Yeah, I mean, and you can't, it's hard for you to, to expect something from them that they don't, they can't even give to themselves. Exactly, they don't have their, their you know resources, what I mean? definitely. Because I went to um, a couple workshops that were like um, children of, of um, I think it just, I mean, for, just for the title of the thing was like of, of immature adults, emotionally immature adults, right? Because it's like, I know for a fact that I can, you know, make the, you know, the example to my dad sometimes would, you know, if he was mad at me or if we had an argument, then he wouldn't talk to me. You know what I mean? It would be maybe like a week or something. And then he'd be like, hey, man, like, you know, and then he'd talk to me, you know. So it was like right. in that time, you don't think about. But, yeah, that's that's not cool either because I'm just like this whole week. I'm just like, oh, well, he's mad at me. He's mad at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of him maybe talking to me the next day or, you know, for, right. and then you learn at least or at, at night. Right. Like once you cool down, you're like, hey, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Right. Or you did this. And I just want you to know why it bothered me and why or why you shouldn't be doing stuff like that or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just more of like, it's that um, withholding of affection, right? And from a loved one, that's an immature thing, but then you can go back and say, well, where did he learn that, right? Like, just yep. like you said, yep. you know, where did that come up from? Yep. But I think uh, I'm glad that, you know, and I don't know, it was because more of like, you know, growing up in, in, in National City and growing up in, in situations where we, you kind of have to learn to take care of yourself too, um, you know, you become a you know, a little bit more of a, like a free thinker because you have to, you know, for survival. And so I think a lot of people, when they don't, they like, again, back to like the, well, my parents obviously have my best interest in mind. Right. And then they go into these jobs and everything and they're just like, well, then I just got to listen to my boss. He has my best interest in mind. And then everybody, everybody who's above me or who is a authority figure has my best interest in mind instead of like, well, what, what, what the fuck do I believe? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and where, where do I go from here? Right. Because we're taught in, in the social culture development, right. To be quiet to authority. Right. Yeah. And the authority has to work. Right. And, and we're taught to be quiet. Porque, porque soy tu madre, right. Cause I'm your mama. Right. So yeah. you don't talk back. Yeah. You and know? you live in my house yeah. and blah, blah, blah. When you don't live here, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And then you have to go and like, well, let me find a way to move out. Yep. You so know, the so message can, that it's kind of like this message, right. The baby's crying. Mamas don't go to him because of that ideology of the hello you're right? Let him cry. It's good for his lungs, right? He, yeah. he needs to be independent. We have no fucking clue what independence or autonomy means for certain yeah. people, right? There's a whole world of difference. And so that baby stops crying. And so we think, like, baby's good. He stopped crying. See, he learned. He's already mature, right? He's only yeah. two, <laughs> three. He's not mature, right? Um, so what happens is that baby disconnects or dissociates, right? Or like I said a while ago, there's this sensitized pattern of stress. So the biology of that child repressed it. Right, because in in when I'm in need, my basic needs is my, my crying is my language. Yeah, baby's not gonna two year old's not gonna be. Hey, mom, check it out. Like I feel scared because so 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 and so. They yeah, not conceptualize their thinking or because that part of the cortex is not fully developed, which is this part of the prefrontal cortex of our brain. And so what starts to happen that baby eventually just disconnects, and he shuts down his emotional systems because yeah. mama's not gonna mama's not gonna be attuned to me because mama's doing whatever. That baby sacrificed his own emotions for his own mother, right? 
So then that's a form of disconnection or the dissociation. But don't so, you think there's the other extreme as well of like the anything the baby like does or whatever you're like oh my god and then you just want to be holding them the whole right. time and well in and it depends because it is not so much of the extreme because babies just want to be responded to and want yeah, to be yeah. attuned to them right babies don't ask for love they, they have no clue what love means they want security they want safety security they want to be attached to the mother because that's survival well and they but, want i always tell people too is let me cut you off like, um, but like direction kids are always looking at you for direction right yeah. even if it's like you're gonna yell at them or something right you're <laughs> like hey stop doing that but they're looking at the adult for direction mm-hmm. right like that's what they want right and in into in, in to be in retrospect of what you said right the mama overdo it or hugging them all the time what happens is that sometimes mamas Right, they see themselves in that child when they were babies. So mm. there's part of our brain called implicit memory. We don't have recollection yeah. of our experiences, but it's implied or it's implicit in our memory. Right, you have non-declarative memory, right, and implicit memory. Yeah. Right. But do you think that's definitive? Like it's just like it, that was when you were a baby, or because sometimes it could be something along the way. No. Like, well, there's like, all these other experiences, right? There are factors that contribute to a lot of our upbringing and manifestation of stuff when we're adults. Yeah. Right. So um, when we're young and we're babies, we have no idea what we're going through as babies, but everything starts to filter into our brain and it starts to be stored in our brain or in part of our implicit memory. So what happens is that um, I disconnected, right? I dissociated um, because my emotions were invalidated by my mother because she believes like, no, the hell are you not? Because he's going to manipulate you, right? That, that's sometimes still the ideology, right? He's crying because he wants you to say, I'm Brazilian, right? That's sometimes the same too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a trip because what I've seen is when babies cry, and they're three, four-year-olds, and they're crying. Sometimes their own fathers hug them, yeah. and the baby still cries. And then sees my mom, what does the baby do? Sabienta, right, kind of dives into mom. And mom yeah. grabs him, and the baby just puts his head on her shoulder, and he stops crying. What does her friend start to say? Ah, ya lo chequeaste. That's it. You screwed him up, right? He's gonna well, no, it's all. It, I think it's also ha- what happens too is then there's that whole like he likes you better or whatever. Yep, and they don't yes. understand that they survival. I need my mother to survive, right? Yeah. How how do how would we survive in the wild? I needed an adult to protect me, right? And it's the same mechanism with mamas. But the message is when you let babies cry, the message is my emotions are validated, right? Yeah. And then that's a form of rejection and abandonment in in, in psychological perspectives. Yeah. We grew up, we're adults, and I'm already an adulto, and I have conflicts with my significant other, or my novia, or esposa, or whatever, right? Or, or novia con novia, novia con novia. Yeah. And then he starts to threaten the relationship. Well, I don't know if I want to be with you anymore, right? And that's where you have conflicts. She, he, does, he doesn't want to be with me anymore, so then I feel the abandonment, rejection. So I relive my experiences from childhood. Yeah. Those are the implicit memory that activate and get re-triggered into my adulthood adolescent adulthood experiences right that is a lot of the work where we need to because some of the, some of the couples that go to therapy bro it's they, they do the work on, on on the symptoms but they don't look at the origin what yeah yeah no exactly yeah that's i mean it's just you're basing off of and you're a lot of people go and just do and i think it's a good starting point right to do like the cognitive behavioral therapy right cbt which is usually where, where they start off, right? I need to kind of figure out what, what is the symptom right? initially, right? Like, well, what, what happens, right? It's just right. like, how do you show up? You know, how do you show up for your, for your, um, for your yeah. sister? How do you show up for your brother? How do you, you know, and those things. And, and I, you know, or if you like say, hey, well, you know, I had somebody who said, well, I'm happy if my loved ones are happy. 
and you know at the surface that sounds like a good thing right because right. You, you're caring about others yeah. but it's not like it's not a good right. thing right because you shouldn't base that happiness on on, on them that's where you have your dependency and codependency you know? which even codependency is badly viewed in society because there's also interdependence right but um, even with cbt models it's good um to a certain degree bro because people who have trauma cbt doesn't work right yeah because cbt is a form of what are you thinking right what is your thinking analysis what yeah, is it yeah, that yeah. you're thinking that's affecting your emotions therefore affects your behavior well sometimes people who are traumatized or ptsd i'm not thinking it's an impulsive response yeah yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's a protective mechanism yeah right and sometimes when you ask them what were you thinking they're like i have no clue yeah i don't know why because that thinking part of the brain was shut down right it's been hijacked because when people have forms of trauma or PTSD, the prefrontal cortex, the rationalization, socialization is shut down. Yeah. I cannot process my thinking because I'm in survival mode. So yeah. I automatically go to flight, fight, or freeze, right? Yeah. And or faint. Now some people faint. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and we have that as human beings, yeah. right? People have fainted in, in yeah. extreme stress. And and that's part of the sensitized patterns of stresses as well. Right. So our body systems react and respond, right? To all that stuff so the, the they call it the tf or cbt right trauma focused cognitive behavior therapy um sometimes those theoretical frameworks are good for certain um individuals that's why it's really good to do like data gathering and stuff and yeah. you know have the first session in therapy so on and so forth um but there's all these other models as well like the meta meta analysis of, of um, i really like bruce perry's work right which is a neurosequential model he talks about regulation relating and buffering through relationship yeah and now you have neuroscience talking about relationships have we and all these other research knows that relationship works right and because they help buffer why because when we have one human being when we have a relationship with it gives us the safety to express what we're feeling right? yeah and so when we just talk and, and, and psychotherapists or talk therapy is when you just talk to somebody about certain issues your stress levels go down right they go to back to base right because i'm talking about what's going on with me yeah and I think one and of the being things, honest and about being not, and being yeah. authentic of exactly a lot of the time. Sometimes we talk and, and, you know, sometimes people try to get like, uh, try to get the sympathy, right. Or something like that, like to tell you the story, but they only tell you right. what's going to, you know, cause they know, or maybe they're telling the story to a certain person that they know if I tell them this part, they're going to be like, no, that was you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, he did yeah. this and this and that. It's like, wait, 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 you did you feel like you're, something's missing here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, that part. Um, but one, I, I, one thing I, I do want to kind of, uh, I want to, because again, you, you're putting out a lot of great information, but I also don't want it to sound very doom and gloom, right? Because um, some people could be like, well, fuck, like, does that, does I'm that fuck. mean I'm, I'm fucked? Like, like I, don't, I don't have, you know, we're, because, because my mom didn't hug yeah. me enough or whatever, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? We're not, bro. Our brain, our brain is malleable. Our brain adapts to a lot of changes. Um, we're not screwed at all. We're not, bro. I think one of the things we don't do in a, in, in Westernized psychology, what it does, they only, they, so they separate the mind from the body. Medical models separate the mind from the body. Yeah. Some psychological, theoretical frameworks separate the mind from the body, meaning they just focus on the thinking. Emotions are thinking. What are you thinking about? It's like, well, shit, I don't know. I feel freaking sad, frustrated, pissed. So what are you thinking? I don't know, right? So we have to unite and be holistic, right? Because then we have to look at systems that contribute into what we are, how it has affected us, right? So um, I'm, I'm drafting a book, bro, and I'm talking about like the systems that have really injured human beings, right? You have like family systems, um, culture, right? Not not the indigenous cultures, right? But the ones that had like a really good system, they were living on, but the social culture, religion, in, in society. Yeah. 
um, they have really damaged us as human beings, right? I mean, and I'm sure they have some of the resources that are pretty good, but the majority have really damaged us. So we're not we're not screwed at all because when we teach people to embrace those emotions, right? Hey, I was sexually abused, man. It, it yeah. was tough, right? Like people who've been sexually abused, women who've been raped, men who've been raped. Because, um, and, and I'll go to that a little bit, but um, when we teach them to embrace their emotions, because it's part of who we are. That's Bessel's work, right? Bessel van der Kolk's work in that book, The Body Keeps the Score. So how do we embrace our emotions? It is yeah. our emotions. How do we connect our mind to our body? And yeah. we don't tend to do that a lot, right? That's why the medical model just diagnoses and medicates. Schools diagnose and they do well, so on. And I so think forth. what happens is a lot of the times it's 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 looking for numbing, right? Looking looking for coping mechanisms i think people find you know obviously coping mechanisms are good right but again you're not getting to the the root of the issue right yeah. you're just you're just learning to how how, how can i uh Definitely. how can i do, get this off my mind right like hey you know what i feel really good when i go on a run or i go work out which yeah. is great right it's great for your mental health but if you, if that's all you do then then you're, gonna you're never bottom. gonna yeah exactly like yeah. it's great yeah hey you go 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 free your mind and, and yeah. slow down your brain a little bit right because right. like you said that frontal frontal cortex yeah. if you work out you have an intense workout you can't think about shit but like i can't breathe yeah. <laughs> you're not thinking of like all this other stuff right but again it's gonna come back yeah. right it's gonna come back and, yeah. and and it's gonna um it's gonna show up again with Definitely. you know you know your mom or someone else you're dating right it's not it's not that person like you said it's not oh it's because they weren't right for me right and then i didn't get they, they didn't get it yeah. or or me or you know or the the people that are like well i'm not meant to be with anybody i should you know i'm just gonna be alone because right. that that's that's how i'm good and nobody gets me anyway yeah. so you know i'm not really that type right. of person who should be with anybody anyway right. so that's like, the isolated child yeah though. yeah <clears throat> when people say i'm not meant to be with them and that's their does their own isolation right that's like kind of sometimes it does the victim, my pobrecito de me, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think I think some of those individuals have just based on experience, right? Doing some counseling therapy for people is like they've had opportunities to be in relationships, but they don't know how to navigate a healthy relationship, right? Yeah. Because growing up, it, it was very unhealthy. There was a lot of chaos. Um, there was a lot of adversity, depending on the family. Yeah. Because well, I don't think again, it's always chaos either. Like that's all I was telling you before. There's sometimes it's the control, right? You're always right. looking at somebody else to tell you what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And now you have to make your own decisions and you're like, uh, well, I'm not used to making my own decisions. Cause right. when I have made my own decisions, somebody else told me I was wrong right. and then made the right quote unquote, um, decision for me. Definitely. And, you know, and, and we see that a lot in families, right? Um, where you have the, and now, I mean, the, the new family, the industrialized families, right? My mom's do everything for them, bro. Like I've done, um, some guest speaking engagements at the universities and I did some couple of classes. I'm laughing because I've seen, like, you see this grown ass kid and their oh. mom's like, you gotta pick out oh, pants. I, like, just like, no, <laughs> so listen to this. Yeah. My, my colega, bro, um, Sulema Diaz, she's, she's a adjunct professor at UCSD, teaches a Mexican literature class, right? You got parents complaining to her why her kids are getting B's or C's, right? In university? At the at UCSD, at undergrad school, right? I mean, you're talking about 18 plus, right? Or 20 yeah, yeah, plus. Yeah. yeah. And then my other friends who are adjunct professors too, right? They they say that a lot of these parents complain that why are my kids getting a B plus? How come he doesn't have Well, be, because that kid's going back to mom and, hey, mom, fix this, you know? Like, hey, I got this going on. And mom, you know it 
you're and you're also like you know in terms of relationship too if you go to your mom for your problems you're probably not going to tell her the whole story either have you been going to class have you you know what i mean like have you been studying like, i study mom and i like well right you know well that just tells you that dependency of that boys and girls right males and females right they yeah. all have these experiences bro that that detachment is very hard for them. In Spanish, we call them lealtades familiares, right? They're still loyal to the family. They're still loyal to the mom. There's a really good book, bro. It's uh, it's it, the, the title is hardcore. <laughs> oh, the title! A lot of moms are gonna resonate. Some moms are gonna get pissed, right? Because <laughs> this therapist, I think she's a licensed social worker, right? Or she's a therapist. Bro. Yeah. The book is called "The Mothers Who Don't Know How to Love." Oh. And in the book, and so the subtitle of the book is um, but, "How to Determine Characteristics of a Narcissistic Mother." right oh. but if you read the content bro it's it's a, it it talks about mostly about relationships between mothers and their daughters right and yeah then, and then something then she integrates some of the males but most of her work has been with um providing Females. therapy work with mothers and they were having a lot of problems with their daughters right? yeah so she wrote this book based on her practices and what she realized and what she learned right then that a lot of mamas are and i'm referencing the 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 book right are i'm not saying it myself that a lot of mamas are narcissistic bro yeah they just want them for them right and then they become the victims if they don't do what they need to do so on and so forth i mean it gets deeper but that book is really good bro. So yeah it's funny it. because then then those same moms sometimes are like well you know you make your decision and well they they kind of they kind of give you that like for lack of a better term they they, they let a they give you more slack on your leash only to pull it back again, right? Because then they're like, "See, you made your own decision. Now you fucked up." Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, you know, like, yep. see, that's why you should just listen to me. Right. Kind of situation, you know. Right. But that's like, there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe just because the way I grew up, and again, like, I kind of you know became in, the, in that sense of like free thinking. I, you know, I did give my parents some pushback, you know, on certain things because, you know, like if say I wanted to go out with my friends or something, and they were telling me no. I would say why, right. you know, and it was just because you don't want me to go because you you just don't want me to go or be, because you can't really, you know, I was a good kid. I was, you know, I had good grades. And like, what have I done that I don't deserve to go and do this? That was my whole thing. Right. You know, like there, if you give me a good reason, Hey, we're going over here. Like you can't go, you know, then yeah, maybe as a kid, I'm gonna be upset. But as I was older, right. It's like, Hey, I make my own money. Uh, you know, pay my pay for my own car. Like, like what, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. You know, is there something you need that you need me to do? You know, I always say also like at work, right? Like when they're like, Oh, so not, what do you need? You know, there's something you need or you're just bitching at me. Right. You know, right. you're just trying to flex your power to say like, Oh, you're not supposed to be coming in. Right you know, five minutes late. It was like, dude, come on. Like, right. you know, certain things like that. Where and, it's just and conflicts like, are good, bro. Family conflicts are good. They're not bad because they yeah. teach the parents what is it they need, they need also to work on, right? And and it's also a projection of a lot of our family dynamic growing up, right? Um, they talk about family relationships, so on and so forth. Or you look at systems, our family, uh, brief family theory or internal family systems. Um, when we look at um, certain members in the family their functions and their roles right um but i think we've lost that a lot right in in, in westernized america because now you have you have programs bro that tell your parents what kind of parent she is and what style of parenting child rearing practice for your kids right are you a democratic permissive authoritative parent what function are you right yeah and it creates like guilt and shame for some mamas that are not part of a westernized culture yeah right 
my abuelita would have been así, cabrón. I'm not, I'm all of them. <laughs> but but I'll, I switched through all of them. I have this borderline personality. You a Democrat right here on sí. the left hand. You got a Republican. Toma. <laughs> and I'm permissive sometimes, but I'm authoritative right now, cabrón. So He's like, no, mom, I'm not Republican. Yeah. You didn't listen. <laughs> and then you have these programs, right, that teach this to, to familias who are from like Oaxaca. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. have their cultura still, right? So yeah. then you start to indoctrinate Right, a lot of their practices and well, then, that's a good. That's one thing I was gonna ask though too, but because how many, how many parents are doing that or have the resources or have the time to do anything like that? Right. Well, you know and, what I mean. Your mom was working ten hours a day or whatever, definitely. six days a week, or to try to yeah. And so the kid stays with who, right? The state stays with the institution, so we institutionalize children, and I agree. Yeah. With you because look at and and it's and yeah, our mamas have to work because now look at this huge inequity economic gap. Yeah. As well, right. Look at right now the gas prices, boom. Right. Yeah. It's like if a lot of the educational system, a lot of them didn't. We didn't get it. We didn't get a raise, bro. So it's like if we took a pay cut, cost of living going up, and we st- and a lot yeah. of a lot of education stayed. Right, it's like we took a pay cut. Yeah. So with the cost of living, but anyway, I don't want to run around the stuff like that, <laughs> right, bro? Because, but um, but what has happened is that um, I think a lot of children, bro, they just want a relationship with their mothers, right? They ask for it, but sometimes mamas are just so tired, right? And they just don't have. They say the energy. How do we help them find that energy, right? Yes, mamas aren't in, in their kids for ten hours, twelve hours sometimes, yeah. right? And I'll get to that, how that even is affecting kids, how we as institutions are affecting children. But when mama does get home, she goes to work, drop them off at 7, right? 7, 7.30, go to school, and then they pick them by after school program at 5, 5.30. Yeah. And then they get home. What's the relationship like then, bro? Mama continues to do her thing. And believe me, bro, I mean, and we have to make them responsible because you do have some mamas who are just on their cell phones all the time. Even yeah. when they're home, right? Or they're on their cell phones even at work. Yeah. posting and stuff so then if you get their data of posting all those minutes yeah and they're not in reach of their children in proximity of the children to continue to reattach to their child then you start to have these conflicts with these kids right yeah now let's look at these kids experiences bro so i did my own also my own data gathering in schools so kids go to school on average from what from eight to three so más o menos right eight to two yeah. 30, eight, eight to three right? that's seven hours yeah right? that's already seven hours monday to friday that's 35 hours. Bro, that's like a full-time job. Yeah. You're talking about kinder to sixth grade, which is in the average ages of four, five, until 10, 11, 11, 12. Yeah. 11, 12, you're still, your brain is still developing. They're babies because they're sixth graders. That doesn't mean they're old because this is bullshit stuff with some teachers. You're a sixth grader. Act like it. Shit, you're an adult. <laughs> act like it, right? They're sixth graders. They're 11 years old. They're still babies. Yeah. Right? So you have four or five-year-olds 11-year-olds going to an educational institution 35 hours a week. Only school, right? Eight to three. We're not, we're not counting the hours at the time. They get up, they have to eat breakfast. Now, let's take the after-school program. Three to six. That's three extra hours. Every day, five times a week. That's 15 hours. Right? But then you figure the kids also like, why do I have to go to after-school program? Why can't I just come home? Yeah, exactly. Bro. So... 35, 10, and 5, that's 50 hours a week. A yeah. 4-year-old and an 11-year-old. And you have some of the kids that have to go to soccer practice, tutoring, catechism. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then you fill them up with all this Monday catechism, Tuesday tutoring, Wednesday practice, Thursday jujitsu. He needs to be busy. Yeah. Fuck, in brain development, the architecture of the brain changes. So the neuroplasticity adapts to the high stress. 
the kid's going to do it because he wants to be obedient to the mother, right? And sometimes yeah. kids tell the mom, I'm tired today. It's, well, it's your responsibility. You told me to sign you up. Now you're responsible for it. Listen to the child. Bro, that's already 50 hours. But where's that line, though, too? You know, because, I mean, my nephews sometimes, they're just, I don't want to stay here and they want to play because they wanted to stay at home, you know? Look, look You got to push them a little. I think you have to push them a right. little bit, well, you know? This is huh? where we look at neuroscience and brain development. Bro. Yeah. The work on brain development, right? Yeah. Um, brain development really talks about the stress. And if you look at pedagogy and brain development and neuroscience analysis, bro, our brain cannot retain information no more than 50 minutes a day in between the ages of four to five or seven, eight years of age, right? Yeah. These kids are in school seven hours. So we create internal stressors that these kids don't know how to cope yet. So what happens? They adapt because our brain has neuroplasticity. So we have adaptive behavior. Yeah. I eventually have to adapt, right? Yeah. What's the maladaptive behavior? The uh, maladaptive is the misbehaviors, right? With other historical stuff, or other family stuff, so on and so on. And then they go to school and then they go to middle school. Now you're an adolescent, bro. You go through all this, um, puberty uh, changes on and forth. so because kids go through puberty and changes and they have other behaviors they're not fucking rebels i hate when they use that term oh he's a rebel and i know he's not he's manifesting a lot of the stuff that has already um i'm um, um, repressed and he's manifesting now he doesn't sleep he has anxieties right because you got middle school high school yeah and the work there is already like community college work yeah i mean the work is a lot of homework these kids now you find them vaping smoking weed right and we need to find them vaping, smoking, we doing any substance, um, um, chemical dependency so they can ease their anxiety because they don't know how to do it otherwise. What are they doing? They're but do you think that's the root of some of these kids? I feel like there's a lot of, you know, more belonging as well, too, where they'll do something like that, not to ease their stress, but to yeah, yeah. just so, fit in. So my explanation is like the therapeutic perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Their, in their perspective, the kid, he doesn't know that he needs to because he has this trauma and so on and so forth. He's self-medicated. No, but ask him, how does that help you? Instead of telling them that's bad for you. Well, they know it's bad for them, but they continue to do it. Why? Why Why is it that well, they've disconnected from that yeah. conscientia, right? Well, there could be a myriad of things, right? They could also be like wanting to get in trouble, right? They're wanting that attention that they're not getting. So then like if that's I exactly do, it. yeah. So what happens when I get in trouble? How does mom respond? Well, at least she's paying attention. She's paying attention. At least she's paying attention. I look at what he created. She's so now, pissed. But exactly. Now I created a crisis so mama can come. Mm -hmm. You see this in elementary schools. So you made me get out of work. Yep. Right. And you see it in elementary schools. Kids get sick. Yeah. Right? Headaches, stomach aches, all the forms of body aches, um, physiological alterations. Right. And so they take them to the doctor, pediatrician. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. And I've heard pediatricians fucking say he's manipulating you. The biology ain't going to fucking manipulate you. It's the physiological alteration. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's psychosomatic. And so what happens is all these anxieties were repressed and manifested in headaches, chronic fatigue, any forms of headaches, right? So what happens? I get sick. What does mama do? She picks me up and she gives me the attention. Yeah. She's attuned to me, right? She takes care of me. So my body, my biology has to go through this crisis in order for mama to come, right? And she comes and she cares for me. I make cuida, she attends me, so on and so forth. But because the pediatrician said he's manipulating you, then mama gets angry swallows them, takes away the technology, so on and so forth, when they don't understand the neuroscience and the biology or the, the psychosocial factors yeah. right? in that environment, in the, in the upbringing, or the alteration of the psychosocial factors caused an alteration in their biology. And so now we have them in schools, right? And now they want mom all the time. Yeah. Right? So, that, so again, so then we have these 50 hours 
right? Only in institutions from eight to six. I'm not, I'm not counting the homework they have to do at home. They have to get up at 6.30 or 7, so add another hour for that. Now they live in Tijuana. Now they live in Tijuana. How long? Right? What time do they have to get up? At? And they have to get up at 3, 4 in the morning to come in and um, to cross on time, in time. Or you have families, bro, who are, I mean, in my community, bro, we have homeless families sleeping in cars. Yeah. Or these kids park their cars or nearby and they sleep there, right? These are young kids. And then we talk about Right, it's this success, and we want them to achieve academically. Really, we have no freaking idea what um, um, academic achievement really means. Yeah, right. Because it's good for wealthy communities, middle upper class communities. Oh, academic achievement is big there because you have the resources and the material conditions these kids you have to succeed. Yeah. What about the kids who don't have them? Right, you, you're you're in a disadvantage because the communities right have the least right and need the most versus the communities that have the most and need the least we have achievement gap because of the resources and then we complain right so they have a head start right they're starting ahead already and these communities aren't right because they're still dealing with domestic violence social workers being taken away foster home foster that's what i'm dealing with foster kids, homelessness, a yeah. lot of domestic violence, a lot of single parents, parents going to Tijuana and coming back, right? Because of economic problems as well. Yeah. So if we take that lens and that frame and we utilize it and we create other material conditions to help these kids, right? Not only cope with their life, but heal a lot of the stuff they're going through. Then we talk about a different perspective. I don't have all the answers, but Right. But these are the experiences that I create dialogue into going and forming or formulating other forms of um, models, not programs, right? Models. We don't need to program that shit out of kids. Yeah. Kids need relationships. They don't need a freaking tutor. They need a relationship that's going to help them. Yeah. They, they need the resources to allocate it so they're for their well, social well-being, mental health well-being, right? Yeah. Because we talk about kids are our future of, of our country. Shoot, which ones? <laughs> which kids are you talking about yeah because if you go into columbine remember the columbine shooting yeah yeah back in the time that was like 10 years ago yeah they continue to have therapists licensed therapists marriage family therapists clinical therapists in nearby the school even in the schools to deal with the residual effects of these babies that were in kinder or before that are now today are probably like seniors or juniors to help them with the effects of what happened in that shooting Oh, really? We got shootings all over in, in Los Angeles and crime here. You don't see no licensed therapists here. What does that tell us? That the value of some babies matter more than others. Yeah. Right? We have that all the time. You have uh, the Santa Ana shooting we have, Santee. Uh, yeah, Santana High. Santana High. County Office of Education with Channel 8 created a program called Force 8, focusing on resolving conflict every day. Yeah, Where do you, I worked in that program. Where was that program? Middle wealthy communities. Yeah, they, those programs weren't in National City or in Cantor. These communities that, that have these economic disparities or economic resources or programs. Right? Yeah, what does that tell us? That the communities, there's certain communities that are more valuable than others. Well, don't you think part of it is also um, the adult also demanding for it and knowing the value of it? I think sometimes that, and that's the whole point of, of why we're here, right? Of trying to break the stigmas of of uh of latinos and and blacks and you know the minorities 
to being open to having these things, right? Like, ah, my kid doesn't need to go talk to you. Are you good? You good? You're good. You don't, you don't, you know, you, you, you weren't even there. You were the, you were on the other side of the school. Like, you know, none of, none of your friends died or anything like. And, and, and all of it, bro, it starts with education. We have to demystify, educate, and we have to create this conciencia for families as well, right? It's creating this education. Yeah. Right? And where do you start them? You start them in kinder, bro. Yeah. And you work with them in kinder, you educate them then. Then you're gonna we're gonna see a fruit later on. We don't want to see a fruit right now, but we're so obsessed with data and numbers, we want this. Right? Yeah, yeah. I want to see something quick because it makes my institution look good. It makes me look good. Right? Yeah. We want this quick fix this curita just put on there right that's all we want right look at how many programs we've been through bullying prevention right we yeah. don't care about bullying prevention anymore and that was the call all the time right and then we have um second step programs and conflict resolution we started and we programmed yeah. the shit out of kids right but we continue to have the effects of a school designed for these kids that are not culturally relevant for these babies right and we yeah. just program and program and program these babies, but we don't allocate them resources that are relevant to their lives and their lived experiences as well. Yeah. Right. And so one thing that's coming up for me, and I mean, this is all like, again, it's all really great information, but how do we, how do we reach some of these, you know, how do, how do, cause, because that's a, this is, this is a backwards thing, right? We need to educate the adults in order for the children not to continue that cycle. You know what I mean? Instead of like, hey, let's help these children so that way they don't do it. It's like, no, we need to educate the adults because or else they're not going to, that, that value is not going to be pushed onto the kids. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Bring so, them, bring, bring them um, facilitators, therapists, psychologists that are relevant to these communities' lives. Yeah. Not therapists that come with programs that are about parenting programs that tell these parents how to parent. They yeah. already have resources how to parent, right? A lot of parents mean well. And I think having the parents understand that a lot of their own lives now as an adults have a lot more to do. A lot of their projections have a lot to do with their own childhood. Of course. That's the transgenerational trauma. Yes. Or your transgeneration, right? And then when you teach them and we bring this relevancy to them that they understand that the stories they see in their children have more to do with themselves and then with their generations before them, at least three generations back, yeah. that's Mark Woolen's work, Right. And the transgenerational trauma, how within the cell, the biological cellular of our body just kind of gets passed on. Right? Trauma gets passed on. And when we help these families understand that, yeah. then they can have a different vision for their kids. right? Yeah. Because I agree, some families don't know why. I don't know why my kids is this way. Yeah. So when I do the, the, the work on them, right? Okay, what has happened with you when you were a child? Yeah. Right? What happened with your mama? So that lack of relationship with you, with your mother, when you were a kid has affected you to be in a relationship with your child now, right? Yeah. And so not that it's your fault and not that it's your mama's fault because they were also babies, right? Not that I care what well, your mother's an adult now, right? So how do we create even those spaces of, of responsibility for these parents, right? To be educated and give them the resources, depending the communities too. Yeah. Because schools, what they do, if you go to Oceanside, you have a huge community of indigenous population from Oaxaca. They don't speak Spanish or read it, right? Some of them don't. Most of them do. Yeah. So you give them resources that has nothing to do with them. They don't understand what they're reading, right? So, again, because we use a one-size-fits-all one model. Right? Yeah. And so we use a one-size-fits-all model. The ones who make it, make it. And don't, then that's their problem. Yeah. Right? And, again, we're, we're lacking. Right? We're still deficient and responding to the needs of these kids in the 21st century. Yeah. Right? 
So when we educate families, good, let's bring resources to educate them, but let's educate them on their lived experiences, right? On, on, on the consequential um, process of their experiences and their psychological experiences that they've had, the psychosocial factors they lived when they were kids, right? But we bring programs, what the program tells them, how you were saying a while ago, yeah. we didn't create parents that are critical thinkers. The programs tell them how to think and how to parent and how to be, how to respond. How many times did well, we teach? Parents? It's like you said too. Like you, you, you know, that's one thing that came up when you were saying, uh, you know, we had this meeting and other, you know, the psychologist, you and other, like you know, and everyone's going to tell the, you know, there to tell the parent. And the parent agreed, but I feel like to some degree the parents should have been like, okay, well, like to have a discussion instead of just being a lot. Of, I think a lot of parents get approached by you know somebody like you and you're an eloquent person. You could say, hey, this is what I think is best for your child, and most parents would just say, okay, yeah, that's what I, that I I agree. But they don't really understand the the, right. the nuances of, of what you're telling them. You know what I mean? They're just like, okay, you know. Or they get pissed later. It's like, yeah, you got the fucking counselor to yell at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of parents say, you know? I think also, bro, is, is being compassionate with the parents' experiences, right? Because a mama ain't just going to sit there and be like, see, I was sexually abused when I was a kid, right? I'm being affected. Like, she's not, right? They'll tell you if they trust you. And I think as, yeah. as, as um, mental health responders, we have to be compassionate with their experiences, which a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Right? We're not as compassionate as we think we are. We say we are, but we don't even know how to manifest that in ourselves. We want to teach stuff that we ourselves struggle with. Yeah. Systems do that. Districts do that. Teachers do yeah. that. Right? They want to teach the kids stuff they themselves don't even know. So that becomes an incongruency. Right? They don't know how to respond to their own needs, much the less of these children. Yeah. Right? So... Again, it's it's because the way everything has been borrowed and conditioned through systems and institutions, right? Because, again, they would tell families, right? They, they have all these parenting aspects. Okay, let's look at strategies and interventions. So if your son behaves this way, sit him in the corner, have him cool down. Yeah. Your, that child, his, his neurophysiology, there's a need, right? But we taught these parents when famous timeout came out, right? Yeah. Man, that was the whole fad. And then we call it shit. We messed up. Let's call it time in. <laughs> now, oh, let's time in. Let's get them together. Have them talk to us. Yeah. Right? So we create all this stuff. We don't even know what the hell we're creating because we essentialize the work. Right? Yeah. And so we, we use, for example, right now, bro, trauma-informed pedagogy or trauma-informed. Now we, we get it and we materialize it. We essentialize it and we market it. Just like bullying prevention. Right, look at what happened in, in during the pandemic. Research-based COVID nineteen parenting programs, like fuck, really? But it's all marketed, so you can purchase my program and I make the money. I don't care. Right? How, how the fuck are you putting out a program when it's going on That's during exactly like what I'm how your kids about. are going to be after the pandemic? That's how do you exactly know? <laughs> See? So hmm. we market this. That's what I'm telling you. In our westernized country, it's all about capitalism, bro. We market kids' emotions. Yeah. We market them through programs. Yeah, right? yeah. So I call it like um, it, it's an emotional capitalism with these children, right? We capitalize on their emotions, yeah, right, to create programs that have nothing to do with them. And then you have um, already what's been stable, like indigenous practices that have been used, like circulos, right? And so we get them and we purchase it and we call it restorative practices. And then we create playbooks, right? Well, I, what I one thing I do agree with with the, that part is. I think it, sometimes it needs to be privatized. It needs to be, and I, I know Jordan Peterson's program, and I'm sure you're familiar with Jordan Peterson. He talks about that. He wants to keep, he's like, mine is for profit. It's, you know, his systems are to keep it that way because or else then it's like, you know, you, you have to do it a certain way or, you know what I mean? 
people sometimes also won't value it as much, right? Because it's like, well, it's free. It's a nonprofit. It's this and that. And they're just, and then they're having to do certain things too, right? To appease the, like their donors or whatever it may be. They're like, we make our own money. You're giving us our money because we're giving you what you need and what you, what you're looking for. Right. You know? And at the same time we appropriate, right? We, we culturally appropriate um, all these practices, right? For example, Abraham Maslow, good needs culture appropriated from Blackfoot nation. Right. Yeah. And we made it valuable. Why? Because a psychologist developed research in it and it, Oh, now it works because a psychologist is doing it. Right. And we talk about tears and self-esteem and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it was being culturally appropriated to Blackfoot nation. They've been talking about it for years. Indigenous people have been talking about restoring yourself for years. Yeah. Right? Are you familiar with a uh, schema, schema therapy and Carl yeah. Jung? Yep. I feel like that's really good for like depth psychology and really figuring Carl, out. Carl Jung's work, bro, is really good because he also has those dark places or the shadows in Spanish. We call it sombras. So he talked a lot about the unconscious mind, right? Yes. Yeah. And the unconsciousness, how everything starts to manifest from there and is repressed to there, right? He calls it the shadows of the darkness. Right, Laura Goodman calls it Las Sombras, Enrico, uh, Enrico Rivera as well. And his work is really good, right? He took after um, Sigmund Freud, <clears throat> but he just kind of delved deeper into this because he added spirituality as well. Yeah. So Carl Jung's work really adds a lot of like the holistic approach, right? Also spirituality, how that has to do with us, right? Yeah. And, and how religious institutions have created this shame and guilt that have colonized our own being, right? Yeah. Because it becomes very depressed. And so Carl Jung's work goes and dives a lot of work into the aspect of the darkness and how our, our conscious mind um, becomes to become unstable, but we manifest it and we polarize it. Yeah. It's going to come out somewhere or another, right? And, and it comes out in relationships. Yeah. So relationships are projections of ourselves, right? I mirror myself in others. Why? Because we as children need to mirror our, our, our parents as adults because that's the way we learn and survive. Yeah. We mirror, we call it learned behavior, or they call it, you know, in the environment, it's learned behavior, but we have to mirror that part of our life because that's the way I survive and learn, right? Yeah. It's part of my clan, right? I'll take, I'll give you a perfect example. We mirror this global pandemic. Everyone went to Costco and bought toilet paper. Why? They had no freaking idea why. Well, why? Because it was survival. It was the clan. Well, I also, at some point, it's just like, well, that shit's running out. Like, no pun intended, right? So it's like, let's at least go grab one. Right, like, you right. got to grab, you know what I mean? Just in like, case, right? Yeah. Right. Or, well, like, for me, like, like I, I, you know, I wasn't one of the ones to run, but, like, I did get to the point, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm out. Like, I need to go. I need to actually go get some. I was trying to hold off right. and not go. You know, same thing with groceries. I... I had always, I'm always the type to like try to buy groceries for the week or even like the day of, right? right I'm going, right. I'm heading home. Like, I want to make chicken or I'm going to make steak. I'll just go grab it fresh right. and, and take it home and cook it, right? But then now I had to go and buy like, because, you know, I was living by myself. So it's like now I had to go buy $250 worth of groceries, <laughs> which I wasn't used to. You know, I spent like 50 bucks just to buy a couple things, boom, boom. You know, and yeah. now it's like adapting, right? I'm like, right. I need to have food so I can... I can hunker down and yeah. I can, I can store it. You know right. what I mean? Well, I mean, they survival, right? Food, we need food to survive again. Yeah. I mean, look at what we've, how we've capitalized, right? And I'm not saying all this is wrong, bro, because we have to adapt to it. It's part of the civil, it's part of survival too, right? Within our society. But it, it's been very um, impressive. Hmm? Go ahead, go ahead. I'll turn on the light. Ah, what a little. Let's get a little romantic here, bro. You need <laughs> yeah. some candles and stuff. You put on the little tunes and all these no it's because uh last guy i had on like it started getting dark and i couldn't even see him anymore and i was like fuck i didn't turn on the light i was like <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't even see him at the end of it he's like yeah dude, i can't even see you anymore yeah. like so so yeah yeah i mean 
Um, one thing I did, I did want to, um, I did want to cover, I want to spend, you know, some time on it, at, at least just like focus on it is because like, you, you know, your, your shirt, the Circulo de Hombres and, um, and I kind of alluded to it earlier is like how, and just even just your personal experience, you know, because that's really kind of the reason that this started, right? That's called weirdos only. And I, I guess a good place to start would be the question that we ask everybody is when is the time that you felt like a weirdo? Really? You know, and, and it, it could be the the whole reason I call it that is because um, people revert to that question when they don't know how to explain the feeling. Really? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, this girl, she told me, you know, she really liked me. And I don't know. I liked her, but I just felt weird telling her. And I felt weird that she was telling me all these nice things about me or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, or. Or, you know, my, when my grandma hugs me, I feel weird. Well, why do you feel weird? Because your grandma's hugging you. Like, I don't know. I feel weird. Like, so something like that. Or like, and I know as, as a male, especially Latino males, I mean, how many Latino males are out there talking about like, you know, generational trauma or, you know. Or being vulnerable. With yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's one thing. And I know, and you know, in the last episode that we just, um, just went up um, or with the therapist, um, I think episode 54, um we were talking about machismo you know so just kind of give you a base on that yeah. and you know maybe tell your the story you, and it could be a random thing you know right, like right. um but then going into some of that like kind of you know as a topic after that right. so. i don't know if it was much weird bro but i think embarrassing I, I, it's hard to differentiate that work but yeah uh, okay uh, this this is gonna be embarrassing but i'm vulnerable <laughs> with it bro it happened you know, i was working for the county office of ed and i went to go do a uh a, a um a educational formation right like, i don't like to call it training because you train animals right not human yeah. beings, right but educational formation kind of to educate them what a gang's really about what a gang's mean because these schools were having situations with, with a lot of young kids and gangs and so teachers they don't know what to do with it yeah. understand the subculture so anyways bro i mean um i think it's the library right they put the staff in the library and so i'm setting up and stuff like that and, and, and teachers are coming in right they're already coming in after school and I'm like, hey, ¿dónde está el baño, right? And so he's, oh, it's right there, right? It was just literally all the stuff are here. The bathroom is just right there, right? So I go in there, bro, and I'm doing number two, right? Yeah. Popo, how we say in Spanish, <laughs> right? Abuelitos, yeah, popo. <laughs> so I'm sitting down, bro, like thinking, okay, well, how am I going to start stuff like that, bro? I forget to lock the door. And so a teacher wants to go to the bathroom. She opens the door, bro. Everyone sees me, bro, sitting down. What do you mean? Po -po. What kind of, yeah, it bro. wasn't like a stall. It was like a. No, it was the restroom. It was, it was, you know, it's the door, right? But it, it was just a, it's a unisex restroom. So it's, oh, it's just a single yeah, restroom. It's just a single restroom, bro. Right? <laughs> it's in the library right now. So I forget. I was all up with Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. I'm like, dude, I got to go right away. So I'm sitting down, going popo, bro. And the teacher <laughs> opens the door, and I see everybody, bro. So the view, well, that's a weird bathroom that it's like. A, well, <laughs> like I mean, a, let's pretend this is a library, yeah, right? Yeah, the bathroom yeah. is right there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and everyone's staff is right here. I mean, people would lock it. I forget. I forgot yeah, to yeah. lock it, bro. So I'm doing the presentation from feeling weird as hell, bro. I'm a hyperbolize yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling weird as hell, right? Like I felt just them looking at me was being judgment. I was going through this whole scenario. That's like the opposite stuff. where they like just picture everyone naked <laughs> it's like they already saw me naked yeah, bro, that was the weirdest like training i did in my life bro i was like i just wanted it was like you just wanted to get the fuck out of there you, I, I was even thinking just walking out i was just it just it was so weird to see the people there yeah right? yeah and um and so that was my experience like many others but i think that's one i can recall it's it's been the <laughs> 
I had classic. A, I had a similar one one time. I was at, I was at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles God in man. Hollywood. Um, I had gone with some buddies. It was like Sunday. We were gonna come back. Um, I wasn't living in LA yet because I lived in LA for a while. But um, I went in the bathroom and it was it was a stall. But I guess it wasn't locked. I like you know it was locked, but it didn't. The lock didn't go all the way through. Okay. You know, like so it was just like that. And some guy busted in. I was already wiping. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like kind of facing the door and he's like oh my bad and i don't know why my first instinct was like ah you're good man <laughs> i was like, I, was like my, I felt bad that he had to look straight right, into my right, butt <laughs> right. oh, yeah, you know what bro just it just um i i can say that i've made people feel weird too right like but it, yeah. it, it, not in a bad way like when we are we're all good right quote unquote right when you ask people oh buenos dias how are you i'm good we're all good right yeah yeah yeah. supposedly we're all good right so i was at the gas station and um i i someone told me like hey buenos dias how are you like you know what i'm not having a good day today yeah that person was looking at me weird like this fool is like you know what i just you know um i lost my job and i don't know i'm very depressed i'm very down and i just started expressing it bro i mean i I did it intentionally bro just to see what what was their, their Wait, so it wasn't real? I did. I got let go from work, bro. I got let go from work. And it was during that pandemic, right? Okay. um, So they were looking at me very weird, bro. Yeah. Um, But it's very interesting just the way it kind of... um, Because why do you have to be good? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why'd you ask? And it's just a social... (laughs) Why'd you ask? You have to be ready if you're going to ask me how I'm doing. And that's the social (laughs) conditioning because people expect for us, I'm good right yeah i mean it's like well i didn't really care she was looking at me like i shouldn't have asked nothing right? i should just go quiet so yeah it's um but it, it, it's interesting bro. but i think that's that's been my weirdest experience I've yeah had, bro is i think just the experience itself doing well, the, the, and the, yeah and that that's a good transition though to what i was saying before like right like uh um have being being willing to have those conversations Right. Because right. if I am asking you is because I, I, I do, I hopefully you would think that someone genuinely cares. Right. Definitely. Like, how's everything going, man? Like, Definitely, you know, bro. no, no. It, and, it, and it's good to ask these questions. And I think even taking it back, you know, because, you know, as, as Mexicanos, Me- Mexican-Americans, right, or Latinos for others, bro, it's um, it's very hard. I, I did a lot of my work in Chiapas. I studied in Chiapas where I yeah. did like a, they call it diplomados in Spanish, right? It's like a certification. And I learned a lot about our cultura and men in our culture, right? And it's very interesting the stereotypes that we as men carry, right? And um, because you mentioned, you know, machismo and macho, and they conflate the two terms, machos and actual now one word, bro, that means, you know, man who cares and, and is there for the familia. But if you mm. really look down and you trace down us as men, um, the honor of men, bro, we were the, really there to care. Um, we were emotional human beings, but we didn't show it like we show it now. Like, it was like, the show of you know the care of who who we are as young men, yeah. Um, because the way we've been socialized into being a strong man, right? We've been repressed of all these emotions. A provider, a provider, yeah, yeah. Because when they gave us those social functional roles, right? You need to go to provide it. That comes from you know the hunting and gathering, right? Men yeah. went to hunt and gather, right? Women did too, but not so much of you know going <clears throat> towards animals or that survivals. I mean they. They kind of hunted and gathered, you know, little seeds here and there to kind of continue to cook as well, right? Those meals. But um, but we've lost, you know, the essence of a human being or a man. What does that really mean, right? Yeah. And if you ask young men, like, what does that mean to be a man? Define that for me, right? We don't know, right? Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry, right? And look at the way we're raised social culturally with sports. Look at Pop Warner football. 
you have some of these coaches like, you know, what the fuck? Like, you're a man. Suck it up. Suck it up. Take the hit. This is football, right? We create that ideology in men. Yeah. Right? But look at the interesting thing. Men don't cry. But when are we allowed to cry? If we win a World Series, a Super Bowl, it's, oh, it's acceptable yeah, 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 then, yeah. right? Can't smack a man in his ass unless you're a baseball player. He did a grand slam. Good job. Boom. You smack him in the ass. It, yeah. it's, it's valid, right? It's not gay. Exactly. So that's the way. Otherwise, oh, oh, my God. So look at the ass. way we've socialized other human beings to see other human beings. We've socialized people that way, right? Yeah. Even in relationships, it's men and women or women and women, men and men, so on and so forth. But I think yeah. that's when you do, you know, like even if you think of movies and like you said, like, uh, um, you know a, an athlete right winning a championship and crying you you end up like kind of respecting them and seeing a different person right because you're like oh shit they were vulnerable right wow. or they're vulnerable and they overcame that vulnerability and they became a champion right yeah. that's that and that's what and this you you think about it but on the surface you don't see you just see oh man like he's a champion right like yeah. But you don't you don't really see why what yeah. the true picture of why you feel that that person right. is is a is a well and you don't want to trip on something um Jerry Tello maestro Jerry Tello he's um the founder of the National Compadres Network that runs a lot of these circulos de hombres right and he was sharing his story that he spoke in front of um APA the American Psychology Association yeah I um, mean he talks about cultura and how all that is already embedded in you know in someone in psychology but how to help kids right forms of interventions for these kids he was speaking in front of psychologists right. And he's sharing this story. He's saying that um, someone, you know, kind of said, um, I think, because uh, he, he usually cries and he connects with his ancestors. Yeah. Right? And he gets teary because he's, he says he gets inoculated by his mama's love and cariño to share palabra, right, to share the word. And um, he shares that um, towards the end, I guess, a therapist, a therapist, bro, psychologist, therapist told him, I think you still have a lot of problems because you cry, right? Just shut him down, right? So here we are, right? Wanting men to be vulnerable and connect to their emotions. But here are therapists telling you, I think you still have problems because you're still crying, right? In psychology, bro, yeah. that's counter-transference. Yeah, yeah. He's projecting himself in him, but the therapist doesn't know it. That's a very general fucking thing for a therapist to say. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, it's, that's not even like, doesn't even sound like what a, it's something a therapist would say, right? Like, I, yeah. I think you still have problems, dude. Right? I still, you still have issues, right? Yeah. With, with your past. Yeah, because you're talking about kind of like that bullshit of like, oh, you got to build thicker skin. Right. Right. But the trip is this, bro, that they don't understand our cultura because we come from a matriarch system, right? Yeah. And not system per se because they didn't have systems then, right? It was just a community. But we come from a matriarch system where men would gather right to make a decision but then they'll go to women because women are connected emotionally or to mother earth that was the, the yeah. teachings right to mother earth right yeah and so they will go and they'll gather with women because women are more in tuned to their intuition right men are too right because we needed to wasn't that one thing I, I read about um there were certain cultures where like indigenous cultures where they valued like the the trans because they were some they were like trans you know whatever they were calling in that time but they were someone who was attuned with both. Mm -hmm. And so they would value them for right. that, for that, you know, right. for that purpose, yeah. because it was someone who was attuned both with the women Definitely. and the men. And so that's the energy. Yeah. So see back in, in these tribes or the indigenous times, they didn't have male, female that didn't exist. That word didn't exist. Yeah. Socialization brought that word. Colonization brought that word, right? Religions brought the male, female, right? Hombre, mujer, right? In the roles of a woman and a man. And that was established through institutions. 
tribes didn't have that, right? They have the feminine energy, the masculine energy, and they spoke about energies. Yeah. Right? And the connection with the cosmos and the Mother Earth and those energies, right? That's what Soed Lodges are about in the Cedar Grove de Hombres, just in general, right? To restore yourself with others and yourself first, right? Yeah. That's when Soed Lodges, you do this work. Right? Well, you know what's interesting, and again, I'm going to cut you off, but uh, the Sweat Lodges, because I just recently have done a lot of research on saunas. Mm-hmm. And like sauna has been has been a like proven to improve your cardiovascular health without you even like running or anything. Just going to sauna, so they're saying like even old elderly people they recommend they go because obviously they can't do as much on a cardiovascular right. level, and it improves it. And has been proven to to improve depression and 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 anxiety from just going into the sauna and just being in that heat and rate in um creating those heat shock proteins within your body. And so I think it's something that, you know, from the indigenous part, they're saying, hey, it's beneficial to you. But then you also see the scientific part and the neurological part. It's like, hey, it is beneficial to you. And here's why. Yeah. And here's the, the, the you know, yeah. definition. So you're like, hey, you feel better. You get to release and blah, blah, blah. But then now you see it like come together, right? Yeah. And see why it all it's beneficial well, yeah. in more ways than one. And, and we go again, you know? right? We go again with, with the appropriation of it, right? Because neuroscience says that now it's believable. Right. Yeah. If you look at, um, I think it's uh, Dr. Um, Yellow or Blackbird, something like that. I think Dr. Blackbird. They did studies on, on indigenous tribes, I think, in North Dakota. Yeah. And so they put the EGGs in their head, and they have them do their practices, but just their practices, just yeah. normal practices. And you see an equilibrium of a lot of their connection. You see, like, the brain light up. In a lot of the areas that regulate, right, your hippocampus yeah. or your hippocampus, hippocampus processes memories, right? Yeah, yeah. And their volume is like well and stable, it's on baseline, right? When hippocampal volume drops, that's when you have depression and all these, you know, your problems and so on and so forth. Um, in all parts of the area, your, your limbic system, um, your your um, the where Dr. Bruce Ray talks about neurosequential model, right? The neocortex, all the cortexes, they all become in equilibrium. Only doing these practices, yeah. What does that tell us? Right. Look at the way men would honor women. Right. When we would dance around women, la danza, nahual, prayer. Right. Yeah. And so we talked about, look at psychology to the neuroscience. We need relationships, right? We need communities and families to be together in Tlokenawake, interconnectedness. It was already there in culturas. Yeah. We had them in La Quesh, right? That poem, right? Tu eres mi otro yo. If you heard, I heard, right? The projection of you and me. Right. Yeah. All these practices were embedded in, in 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 indigenous people. You got the Aboriginals in Canada, and and their women, a lot of their women didn't allow men to go near the pregnant women because of their energy that they couldn't gather. They were angry or mad, just using yeah. those terms, right, and for comprehension purposes, because they don't know about angry and mad at the time. Um, so they came and they were not in equilibrium. Yeah. They didn't allow them to get close to that baby. They knew this without CAT scans, MRIs, blood work. So we're yeah. talking about this knowledge now that because we created this evidence-based practices, right? I wish we used the fucking evidence. We don't use yeah. evidence in schools, bro. We don't. We use evidence that are institutionalized or they come from um, from these corporations, privatized corporations, right? Because you have SEO programs that privatize these, these, this work, but it's not working for this community. Because yeah. we already have what's worked. So when we use circulos and I use circulos and it creates this unity and kids have the uh, the vulnerability to share, right? 
And it's interesting how young kids, first grade, I have a boys group, first grade boys group, they don't want to show their tears. Say, I want them. They wipe off their eyes, bro. Right? Yeah. And I tell them, hey, you're you're in a brave space right now. We use brave space. You have the courage, and it's cool, right? Yeah. It's cool for you to cry. That, it's, it's hard, too, right? Because then they, they go home, and then, <laughs> you know, as soon as they go home at night, then their parents are telling them. That's exactly it. You know, don't <laughs> cry. Exactly <laughs> but at least they know they have a space in schools, right? They yeah. have at least someone, someone to listen to them. Right? Yeah. They, someone in the village that cares. That was my life, bro. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. My, yeah, my, that's my absent father, and I had a soccer coach that kind of became a surrogate father, and he really helped me a lot, bro. You know, yeah, kind of showed me the valores and stuff about life. He's like, his name is Aurelio Tomas Serrano, and he's he, he he did you know a lot of work with me, bro. He's a pioneer who I am today, pretty yeah. much. He's the one that took me back to school. And it's and it's funny because sometimes those figures they don't they don't even realize what they're doing, right? I, they're just showing up, and they're just like yep. you know, yep. And that's the seed, right? That's Chinachli, bro. The seed you planted will germinate, right? We we lose these practices, bro. Yeah. Because we regard on this other forms of socializations, right? And we believe it because it's evidence based, right? We don't use the evidence that's already based on. And there's a plethora of evidence, right? That says relationships are best attached to the child. Look at what happens to women. Women are, are pregnant. They get a pregnancy leave what three three weeks or six months, five months. It has nothing to do with three months. Of yeah. bonding with that child, bro, that's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You get a grief, right? Someone dies, and for grieving, you have like <laughs> three two, three days. Yeah. <laughs> three yeah. days, bro, right? Three days when you're not privileged. But when you have the access to those resources, bro, yeah. you take, take a your time. off. Exactly, take your time. bro. See yeah, I, I always see the same thing. Like, I have people ask me, like, if I, like, you know, if you go through a breakup or something or you lose your job. And it's a lot of the times the first thing people ask are like, well, how long did you date? Or how long ago did it happen? Mm. Like, but that, I feel like that, that question is always prefaced so they could say, oh, okay. Or either justify or not justify. Like, right. oh, you should be good by now. Right. It's like, it's not up to you. Right. It's not up to you just because I went through a breakup six months ago, a year ago. Like not obviously if it's something that's like really weighing on me and and, and, and I'm not leaving my room is a like, hey man like you need to get back you know kind of you find healthier coping mechanisms something right, like that right. but I think a lot of the times people try to ask questions like that to try to like pull you out and to say like you shouldn't feel this way because because you know X amount of days have passed right. you know what I mean I always tell people I just had a, a, a friend of mine um lose somebody you know someone someone very special to them. And I lost my dad in, in 2014. And I told him, I'm like, look, I know this is probably not what you want to hear, but the pain is never going to go away. It's going to get easier to deal with. And time's going to, you know, it's going to make you see things differently. Right. But the pain's not going to go away. Right. I mean, because that's someone that you cared a lot about. Right. At, you least, know? The, at least the impact of the Yeah, pain, exactly. Right? And, that, and, and, you know, but that pain's still going to be right. there, right? Because you lost somebody that you can't, you can't get back, you know? Right. And, and it's... Yep. It's, but you 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 grow from it, but it's still gonna be there, and I, you know, and and I know it. I try to frame it in the sense of like, look, it, it's gonna evolve, but you know, that pain is because of the love that was there, right? And so it, it's it's equal to it, right? The love and the pain, right. you know. But again, I think I think we have this issue going back to some of you know the machismo or the stigmas that are in it that are like, 
you should be good by now or you know there's there's rules to how you should feel yep. right like oh you're not supposed to cry about that like who cares it's just some girl who cares like well i care right you know or whatever it may be and so i gotta and you gotta go talk to people who are mature and understand those things you know somebody somebody like you and so yeah. it's Someone great that can help them like navigate through those experiences right? yeah and it, it's great because i you know i i personally you know i don't think i found someone like that until i got to university you know um and you know it was a, a professor that that was there for me and kind of there were certain things especially navigating as a latino in a university you're like dude there's no mexicans here right. you know what i mean like and he was a latino professor i'm like oh shit like this guy looks like me right. you know um but it's great that you're there at at, at the you know at the lower level right and to, and to and to to guide to guide these kids because like you said there's a lot of them that that had your exact same situation yeah, bro these kids right? he, these kids have been my maestros bro like uh, what are, oh, all my training bro psychology counseling whatever training i did bro these kids pushed me to learn different yeah. things yeah these systems <laughs> where you think you think you got it figured out right when you have kids telling you their stories bro you're like whoa right it's yeah. like yeah, schools didn't prepare me for this right so and i think that's one of the things i wanted to kind of quickly just mention too bro yeah. is that you know um when they talk about some kids have ptsd right some kids have cptsd which is a complex post-traumatic stress because ptsd is good for people who come back from war yeah right they don't go back to it kids go back to that war to that domestic violence to that yeah. mama to the drunken father bro that's their war they go back to it every day Right? Yeah, that's not PTSD, bro. That's not post. They continue to relive it. Yeah, right. So they call it a complex PTSD, right? Harvard Public School of Health um came up with a new diagnosis back in 2014. Yeah, called a CPTSD because or kids in gangs, they go right back to that war zone, mm -hmm. right, all the time, and they go to schools, bro. They can't function. They're in survival mode all the time. Right? Yeah, and or others who have had any forms of adversity and they're like huge adversity in their life, right? That has yeah. created this form of um, of post traumatic stress, right? But we're not educated on it, so people don't understand it. We talk about trauma informed practices, and we're like, "Well, hey, trauma informed, they just give you a little snippet of, okay, this is this, this, and that's it. It's deeper than that, bro. Yeah, I'm talking about kids um, just snapping and cussing you out, running out of the classroom, not wanting to go into class." Right, I says a lot. Yeah, right? you don't see that in other communities. Well, I see that all the time. We deal with this all the time, every day. Yeah, every day. But that, that's why I love and passion. I'm passionate for that work because it gives significance to the work that I really want to do. Yeah, right. And to create these, um, these support services for these kids, right? That really talk about restoring themselves. I'm not there to rescue them, bro. And I think the ideology of others is I want to go there because I want to do you know, the good and I'm going to rescue these kids. These kids don't need rescuing. Yeah. They need someone to guide them, right? And give them the seeds and the internal resources to navigate through their own life because eventually they have to leave. And just have a consistency, right? Like that's Definitely. one thing that's like very basic. They just want yeah. someone, a consistent figure sometimes. Definitely. You know? And they need that, bro. So even just having a relationship with the kids, bro, builds resiliency and it buffers those adversities from home. Right. Believe me, bro, I got kids coming in my in my groups talking about how their parents drink and they get drunk and how he worries for them. Yeah. Well, guess what happened, bro? This child became the parent's caregiver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now the yeah. roles switched. Right. But mamas aren't aware. They don't understand that. 
right? Yeah. And so we that's what that has happened. That happens when we start um to give these kids those responsibilities. Yeah. How they become caregivers and, and kids And they put themselves second all the time now. Just, you so know, they put sacrifice first. for the well being of my mama. Right. Yeah, now they're yeah. taking care of their mother's needs, emotional, psychological needs, right? Yeah. Mamas aren't aware of it, but I'm able to decodify that. These are the conversations I have with the parents, bro. Right. Yeah. And I give them read I give them books to read and look at all this stuff. Like Dr. Gabor Mate, they come back, we sit down, they're like, Whoa, this thing's deep. Bro, I have a sixth grade girl who's in a domestic violent relationship with her novio. She didn't know it was that. So when she came inside of my office and, and she came to me because they were she's in the Yeah. Oh wow. So she's a sixth grader dating um a fifth grader, right? And this fifth grade boy is telling her like what to wear, what to do, who to see, who to talk to, who not to talk to, why he's not being texted, why he's she's not responding to his text. He's, you know, yeah. talking about like he's making her feel being guilty. Very, possessive and very, very yeah. You may talk to those friends or you you don't love me, right? If you're talking to them, you don't love me. It's your fault that I feel sad, mad, right? Yeah. And she's unaware what this means. This is her first experience. Yeah. So I'm talking to her in the office, and I'm looking at her. I'm like, you know, that's domestic violence, right? And and, and I just said this. I'm not. I mean, I know she doesn't know what that means. She has no clue. So you know, there's a, I think the Center for Disease Control and National Institute for Mental Health brought up this thing called power, the Wheel of Power and Control. So yeah. we don't power control, bro. It detects the domestic violence and the characteristics. So I took it out, I printed it out, and I showed her. And we started going over it. And she's like, My mama go through this too. Right. And so I told her, I want you to keep this. A lot of domestic violence, <clears throat> a lot of relationship violence with women, bros, they don't have the language to detect what psychological manipulation is. Yeah. Right. They don't. They can't. They don't know. They don't have the language space to decodify it, decipher it, and respond to it. Yeah. She feels responsible for him because she said, "Help him." I don't care about me. Oh right? wow! She's a she's a sixth grader, bro. Yeah, and a fifth grade student. When did we ever see? And that she's girl worrying now? about him yeah. first, even though she's the one that's being definitely. So she doesn't see that. We see this with adults. Yeah. Right. And, and it'll be applicable with adults. She's an 11-year-old girl. She had no clue what she was in. And, and I, you go ahead. And I said if no one had intervened or taught her, educate her. Otherwise. Lens, bro, yeah. She was going to carry that on. So I told her, I want you to keep this. But I'm going to frame that paper for her. I said, yeah. this is going to be your reference. This is going to be you your You shouldn't frame. be treated yes. this way. Or and so we went over, we highlighted, I wrote notes on there, and I'm going to frame it from us and take it. Yeah. And I want you to keep it. This is a language base a lot of young girls have. Do we ever have conversations like this in schools? Fuck no. No. When do we ever talk about this? And then we complain that, you know, we have a rise in domestic violence. Where do we ever educate our young girls? Yeah. When do we ever educate our young men not to yeah. treat women like that? Because we continue to have exactly. a patriarchy ideology. We continue to blame women. Yeah. Right? Pues culpa. Look at the way you're talking to them, right? Yeah. Like a lot of abuelitas. Hey, mija, cuidado when they pour some, some something in your drink, mija. Cuida. Be careful because the men are like this. When do we ever teach men? Don't you ever do this to women. Yeah. Let's respect women. We continue to indirectly blame women. But I think that the one thing I was going to say is that, that, you know, then you get the women that, you know, they see that and then they get something that is healthy and they don't, it doesn't attract them. Uh -huh. They're just like this. This feels weird, I, <laughs> you know. For the back to the I, weird, you, like you, this is, yeah, you know, or, or there's you. no attraction yes. here because, because why doesn't he? 
why isn't he super jealous right why isn't he like super possessive because from what i think that love is is someone that's gonna be like you're mine and you're you gotta do what i say because i love you right so this is a partial of your answer bro because some women and men don't know how to navigate a healthy relationship yeah they don't know how to respond to it because they don't have the internal resources to understand to something that's so good yeah like quote unquote so yeah in their interpretation yeah when you have a man that really treats you like a like, una mujer, like really nice, or just you know mutual respect right yeah. it's just like definitely yeah. it's, they don't know how to navigate that because they have had a lot of adversity or chaos in their life that when good comes they're like whoa that's shocking to them and or they're not good enough or they're not for, good enough for know. something good right yeah. so then they self-sabotage right this is too good to be true eventually he or she's gonna take off Right? Yeah. So I just rather eat. that's your social isolation. That's your isolation, because they don't have the resources to navigate a healthy relationship because they don't know what that looks like yeah. or what that means. Right? And that happens a lot. Even like when you have when you have certain people who have forms of PTSD or trauma, like quietness is weird to them. Right? Being quiet, they're like, this is weird. So they'll seek chaos, right? <laughs> I feel, well, I, it's hard for me to be quiet. I always start, that's what started a podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I need it because of, because of that. And I've also analyzed it in the sense of um, that codependency of like, I needed to become who I needed to be for that room that I was stepping into, right? Where like my dad was sick or I needed something to like, you know, I needed to be who I needed to be for that room. And so if my mom was upset or my mom, you know, I needed to cheer her up. Like, like you said, like, oh, worry about him. Like he, he's, you know, he's got his problems instead of like, well, what about me? Yeah. You know? So like, I feel like I need to be who I need to be for everybody else to, to, to help them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And then that's the inner child, right? As the niño asking still for that mom approval and then buscando papa, mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we continue, that's Carl Jung's work too, right? We yeah. continue to seek and look for that approval of others, right? Yeah. So we create this fantasy. Young children create this fantasy, bro. And then we take it on into adults where we continue to wait for mom or dad to come, right? And that's like a, this, uh, this like, I would say like ideation, right? But this fantasy, and the number one thing that we forget, not that we forget, bro, because not that we forget, right, that we don't live, it's the reality of our lives, mm-hmm. right? Like the reality of a woman to see Sabe's kid, we, he's hitting you, right? Yeah, but he's going to change. That's her fantasy. Yeah. So I think she needs to grieve her fantasy. I'll, I'll look at, this is my empirical research, right? My empirical data, bro. This is like experience. Yeah. I've had many amigas and, and family members who... um been just together when they're significant other um five years seven years ten years they get married and you ever wonder why a year later they're divorced it happens a lot with a yeah. lot of them. and the thing is that that is her fantasy i want my wedding i want to you know dress up in my gown and white and i want to live my dream my wedding yeah and then she does that fantasy went away and all of a sudden she realizes who she's with and she's like damn it has those chones tirados like you, right? Like, he's yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah, I've yeah. had we've been together ten years. Like, why are you complaining now? And then you start to have yeah, out of this, right? I'm not saying that's number one thing for separation or divorce, but that's no. a huge factor. And then this is just reference. I think it is that 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 fantasy, right, of like what it should be instead of what it is, and and Definitely. and expecting them to fulfill that fantasy instead of oh, wait, what you you have a part in this quote unquote fantasy too, right? You know what right. I mean? Yep. Like it, someone's going to show up and, and, and meet you halfway. You have right. to do your, you know, if it's 50, 50, yeah. yes, that can, 
that 50 50 can can move up and down right because like hey right now you need more support you lost your job or you've been going through but hey i'll show up a little bit more to, to you know because you're going mm-hmm. through it um but that's it you can't it can't always be 80 20 like i'm always showing up you know and you're not yeah. you know so the thing is how do we create these spaces of education for these kids bro to honor and respect also women because in, in my conversation for these kids i said look for you to transcend your mama, you love your mama just the way it is. Right? Yeah. Because even children tend to wait in their fantasy for their mamas to change. Yeah. Right? Sometimes why well, you have some amigos meals, right? Some of my own. Well, friends. you see the best in them too. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't see a bad person. Right. You know? Right. And the thing we don't see with our mama struggled, right? When they were babies, because the way we've been socialized to things, mother is there and she has to be there and fix us and everything and all that. So, okay, yeah, but sometimes the mamas have to be also responsible, right? But at the same time, being compassionate for their upbringing too, right? And then to transcend that, right? To have a transcendence of it's just loving our mamas the way they are. Yeah. Right? That just, that's what they were dealt with, right? They were yeah. dealt with that. And that's unfortunate. We couldn't control that, right? But in that fantasy aspect, bro, that's what you have parents vicariously living through their children, too. Right? Yeah. I want you to fulfill this because of me. I couldn't do it, so I want you yeah, to do Yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah. Don't end up like me. I did. I yeah. fucked up. I married your father. Yeah. And I it's didn't a, love him. Yeah. So now we do comparison and competition. Don't end up like me. Not tell parents, don't say that to your kid. Now you're competing with him or her, right? I, I, yeah. You have sacrifices. Those are yours, right? I always hate when people also, they make the kid the therapist, right? Yeah. Oh, your dad. He didn't like what? That's his dad. Like you're just shitting on his dad. Like you know, they don't see it that way because they're just like, oh my god, your dad did. You want to go with your dad or your mom is weaker? Look at what your dad is doing. Yeah. But you know what? That's a form of alliance. Has my power. Yeah. That goes back to that book, right? Mothers who don't know how to love that narcissism of some of the some of the moms and some of the dads, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, bro. It's it's nasty. I mean, well, we the the hardest. One of the most challenges that we have at school systems, bro, are family separations when they go to court. Oh, bro, it's yeah. nasty. Because parents come and yell at us, complain to us, well, look at what the father's doing. That's fine. And the father comes, well, she's not doing this. And it was like, <laughs> what do you want us to do, right? But yeah. we, we're the ones that are dealing with all of those consequences. Bro. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. child being sad, depressed. And then here we are trying to fix, quote unquote, fix, right? And they're not an object, but trying to really remedy these kids emotional instability because of parents are doing bro and so when you try to sit with them and talk to them and they're reluctant to yeah we, i mean we do it bro right because that's the village right so we create these internalized um like conciencia for these kids right hey that's the reality of your life man that yeah. is the reality. but when you see them cry for mom and dad bro it's a lot man yeah lot. there's a drawing i should have brought bro. this is really interesting drawing that a kid did, he did like a Christ figure like this. Yeah. And on one hand had mom and the other hand had dad. And he wrote a poem with all these thorns talking about how his life is is, <clears throat> um, is symbolic to that because of his sacrifices going with dad and mom. Right. It's deep, bro. I have oh, he's to, a martyr. He's freaking, he's like, <laughs> he's deep, bro. I had to yeah. say, bro, sign that for me, man. But he's very artistic. But just, and even in art therapy, bro, you see yeah. a lot of this stuff. And a lot of the emotional um, distress and pain that a lot of our boys go through. Yeah. Right. And so the challenging, my own, I want to say like obstacles that I have is how do we teach these young boys and young men to be honorable men for if, if they decide to marry, right? And be a family, so on, so on, so forth. Yeah. How do we teach that? The problem, the problem is this, systemically speaking, 
we can do a lot of this work in elementary schools. They ain't, she ain't going to continue in middle school or high school. Yeah. It's not. Right? If it does, perfect. But it's not. What's going to happen to this work then? Right? They're going to, you know, grow and mature and be influenced by society and, yeah. and their friends, right? Because of that sense of belonging. Yeah. Why do we have a sense of belonging? It's my clan. Right? I need to survive in my clan. It's a sense of belonging. You have it in gangs. Right? You have it in gangs. You have it in, in other social groups. It's a sense of belonging. Because yeah. it gives me identity, it gives me acknowledgement, it gives me somebody. So it chronicles my life and my acknowledgement as a young, um, young male and as a human being, right? And I think we forget that aspect of human beings. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing right now that and it's still resonating with me and, and you know, again, I want to kind of give you, give you your, uh, you, you know, the, the recognition you deserve, I think for, for this, like the, the girl that you're saying, you know, with the domestic violence, because just imagine, you know, her 10 years from now and nobody has told her anything, no. you know, mm-hmm. like she hasn't record like, or, and she hasn't figured it out on her own. Right. right? And it's, it, it, to have somebody there to just kind of at least guide them in the right direction and give them the, the resources. Right. Because we don't know. And, and also somebody we respect, right? Because it could be, you know, sometimes your parents are the ones that tell you. And sometimes you just, you're like, ah, yeah. you know I what I mean? You know, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell do they know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's or, telling you that. I, they just kind of brush it off. And I think, so I shared this, you know, experience with my principal and the teacher. And they're like, what? The beauty of it, bro, is, is that I'm even a male teaching her this stuff, right? Yeah. And what young girls would wish that a father male would talk to them about stuff like this, right? I mean, I'm sure you have some fathers yeah. out there that do, right? Not to stereotype all fathers because not all males are are bad, stereotypically speaking, right? Depending from cultures where we come from. But um, for her to have this as a resource, right? That's why I said, I'm going to frame this. And you're going to take it. This is like <laughs> your framework of relationships, right? Don't let this happen to you. Right. Yeah. And then we went over like what are healthy relationships, what that does look like. Right? Yeah. What do healthy relations look like? Bro, I I, I just and, and it was just out of my curiosity. I was very inquisitive and I put up dignity, integrity, right, respect. And I said, What is what are these three words mean? Dignity, integrity, respect. What do they mean to you? She could not I said a while ago, a lot of males could not connect and, and share yeah. their emotions. She cannot describe it. Yeah. Again, bro, when do we ever teach dignity to these young girls? Have dignity enough for you, right? Yeah. Have integrity for you. When do they ever hear these words? Yeah. If it's not all about um, um, academic achievement, a high school or, or university playing, what do you want to do when you grow up? That's all yeah. we talk about, right? But then again, they end up becoming, being in relationships. When do we ever teach them that, right? We're, we're, we have the most prestigious elite schools in our country, bro. And look at our country yeah. having these prestigious universities, right? Look at our economic gaps. Look at our real estate. Look at communities. Look at violence. Bro, the, if you look at the global peace index, bro, we make the top of global peace. I mean, not even the top of global peace index. We make like, we're like a 60, 70 something. Global peace index. Yeah. Right? Man. But we're like a multiracial democratic country. Yeah. Right? Pluralistic democratic country. But look at we're we're we have we have good resources and we have a lot of issues with mental health. Yeah. So what's going on? Right? And the pandemic has only amplified that. And only amplified because that only triggered a lot of the repressed issues a lot of people have. Yeah. Right? And and like you said, you know, one thing that uh, people had talked about was uh, also 
like you said, these kids that are in domestic violence, right? In the war zone. And it's like, now you don't get to go to school. Yep. Now you're just in it 24 seven because All you can't, time, e- you know, you can't even leave because you, you're doing school from home and yep. everyone's quarantined. And now there's probably more issues because now your parents are going head to head every yeah. single day and they got to see each other all day long. And what did we see on the you know? pandemic where we saw mamas, you know, their depression activate, their anxieties activate, right? Yeah. Look at what parents are calling us. They were literally telling us, open up the school. I cannot handle my kid. We, we are responsible. Systems are responsible, bro, because we created a dependency on these families because we take their kids and we yeah. quote unquote fix them. Yeah. When do we ever sit the parents and be like, no, mama, you're the mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, this is what you can do with y'all. Have this relationship. Yeah. You decided to have a kid. <laughs> you got to be ready to deal with whatever, you know. We support you in this, in this journey, right? How to navigate those behaviors. But what does the system do? Oh, we'll take them. Don't worry. And we do prevention and interventions yeah, and yeah, assemblies yeah. and or therapists in the community, right? They work with the kid. I mean, sit the parents down. But they want you to send them back and like fixed quote unquote right when they don't understand that the child's projecting the experiences of the lived experiences of the whole environment right and that development as well yeah projecting nowadays look at what we do now bro kids are in schools months old they put them in montessori schools months old right or they start at one two three years of age they're not at home anymore yeah and i agree with that you said well some parents have to work yes they have to work but when they get back home they don't reattach to that kid, right? Yeah. They don't reattach to the child. They continue to do their yeah. own, whatever the inertia is, right? Cooking, cleaning. So then that becomes important, the cooking and the cleaning, right? And an expense of the mental health and the development of these kids again. But parents don't have this education neither, right? They don't have these resources or these educations. Okay? Yeah. What's been your experience with more immediate people with like your family or, or your friends? um with just i guess just mental health in general or, or communication and you know some of these uh a, a lot these of stigmas you know you know familia bro it's like because <laughs> you're like yeah, yeah, so yeah they kind of shine away from me yeah, right? right. if you're vulnerable, he's gonna analyze yeah, you yeah he's gonna make a joke about you don't don't soon don't say nothing yeah. Yeah. but you know what that's the stereotype that we carry too right because a lot of the question is, oh, that's why you're single because uh, because you analyze people. I'm like, I don't yeah. analyze it. I'm able to really differentiate. Oh, you're whitewashed. Yeah. You ever get that one? Because you're educated. Oh, so, I mean, because you have a lot of the Chicano in between, but I feel sometimes it'd be like, you know, I was like, what? Like if somebody told me, I was, I was like, how am I whitewashed? I was, it was my neighbor. I was like, bro, we were neighbors. Like, how am I whitewashed? Yeah. We grew up in the same way. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so and, and that's an interesting phrase bro. but no not when my family is more like kind of like i yeah some of my cousins are cool bro they're like they'll, they'll talk to me and, and yeah. they have some really deep discussions about you know our our, our family but most of my brothers are kind of like nah, we like cut it right like yeah, and, I, yeah, and i don't yeah. go because you know what bro i'm very i'm very respectful with the I'm yeah, very, yeah i'm the, very prudent the boundaries yeah. are like yeah i'm not imprudent i'm not like hey well you know what brother this and this and this nah. it's because your mom yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> and, and in conversation bro depending on the dialogue right like i can have that intuition and feel like hey bro like probably if you go get some help so on so forth and you know my brother's been very helpful with that as well um but with friends yeah usually friends tell me bro like hey can we hang out for coffee and then there's yeah. other stuff and i'm there and i'm listening and i'm you know kind of helping out but mostly i do the listening bro I don't I don't say anything unless they give me permission. Yeah. Because I think sometimes some therapists, bro, some psychologists in, in outside of their private work, right? With family or friends, sometimes they become imprudent. They share their own findings, right? When they haven't even asked for it. 
So yeah. I think one of the things we forget is to ask for permission if yeah. we can, right? Even even uh, a lot of my my um, professional development in psychology is what the Mental Research Institute from Palo Alto, bro. And one of the things I got is she was an Asian therapist. She was really good. And I love what she said. And a lot of the work she was talking about, so we were being talking about trauma. And so she was talking about how in, in her work and practice, she, you know, had a client go into um, and ask her parents, like, hey, mom, dad, how was your pregnancy with me? Right. Because I would want to know my life and, and, and to work with it because he had he, this client had mental health issues. And what happened was that uh, but the therapist told his client, like, hey, yeah, you can ask your mother, but you also got to be respectful with your mother because if she doesn't want to share that experience, how she got pregnant, that's also her emotions and her experience. And we have to honor and respect that. Mm -hmm. So ask for permission that they want to kind of share that story with you because that is part of your story. But if she or he is not, and when I say he's also fathers, right? But if mama is not open to having the conversation, we need to honor that too. Yeah. Right? That's giving permission, bro. And I think yeah. we forget that, right? We forget to ask permission as well. Right from our ancestors, from our own familia, and not permission like you're an enslavement. It's not. I'm not talking about stuff like that. Not permission like you're gonna go to the bathroom, maestra, not stuff like that. Right, but stuff that's meaningful that has a form of connection. Yeah, right? like we cannot be imprudent with people's lives too, because those are that's their own space as well. That's their intimacy, and we need to honor that. Right. And yeah. We forget that, bro. We forget to honor that work and those experiences of these families or amigas or anything, or even our own brothers and sisters. Right. Even though you see something like. Damn, bro, I told you a hundred times, like, don't do that, right? <laughs> um, but that's still their familia, bro. Yeah, but even though you see it, doesn't mean that they see it, right? Right? That's or or they see it. what's wrong with it. They're just like, whatever, right. you know? It's just like, well, why am I going to put up with somebody who treats me like that? It's like, yeah. well, you know, it's like you got to figure out why. What did you do in that right. situation as well, you know, instead yeah. of just saying like, oh, well, she was this and that. She, right. she moved my shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, and, and the thing is, too, bro, like going back, because I was thinking about Maestro Jerry Tejo and, and I was going to, you know, kind of um, align what we're talking about, right, with the therapist telling them like, oh, you need to do some work on that, right? Yeah. Like I said, that was their counter-transference, right? It was their projecting themselves and he was being imprudent and were, you know, sharing something that, Jerry didn't ask for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was just giving his story, so something that can taint that experience. Um, but I think it, it goes along along with a lot of that work, bro, where um, we, we're, we're connected with ourselves as well, right? And it's hard sometimes for some therapists, right? Because they get triggered in, in therapy as well, bro. Yeah. They get triggered big time. And that's a huge bias. And I well, and that's where you need to kind of, you need to, pass them on to somebody else right right and, and that ethically yes, transference right? yeah. and some of them don't right yeah and i had this experience in facebook where i'm part of like the latinx counselors and therapists and so we have like meetings like every once a week or every twice a week not there but they just have a dialogue right just like yeah. this and i kind of signed in i was the only male right and it was a trip because she was a, a therapist you're, you're they're, they're unicorns bro with latinos <laughs> and mental health and uh, therapists yeah. that's it's hard to find it is bro it is and you have them out there right and so it was this female, right? So we were going to speak at the same time. And I said, oh, no, go ahead, you know, ladies first. And her response was, nope, I'm not going to submit to patriarchy, so you go first. And I was like, oh, bro, like she just responded like that. Yeah. Having, having no clue, bro, why I said that, right? So then I said, look, I come from my abuelito Tommy to honor women. And, I, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not imposing. It's not belittling or anything, yeah. yeah. I'm honoring you as a woman and your energy as a young woman, right? These are the indigenous practices. When I started sharing that, she kind of like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know she knows a lot of the work with Jerry Day and these other yeah. practices, bro. And, and I said, be careful. 
because that's an implicit bias that can show up in your therapy sessions. That's a huge, because you already have this ideology yeah. of patriarchy, right? Which is cool, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. In certain instances or circumstances, but you, if you deal with men, that counter-transference can come up yeah. implicitly. That's an implicit bias. Yeah, they, like a woman could think, you know, like one thing that has come up for me sometimes is I, you know, I, it, for me, if I invite you out or something, then, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy you. I'm paying because I invited you out. So I don't want you to think that I invited you out so we could split the bill or is it like I invited you out because I want to spend time with you. Yep. Right. And like you, I invited you here. It's like, hey, you need water or whatever. Like it's just being a good host and just being, you know, and, and it's not about like, oh, I'm in I'm in charge here or or you or I think a lot of the times people think that like, oh, hey, I opened the door for you. I did this. I did that. Now you have to do this for me. Right. You know, I had a friend. Um, I'm not going to say her name. This is a while back. We were leaving this bar or whatever. And we weren't drunk or anything. And, all, and she, she lived like on my way home. She's like, I'm going to get a lift. I was like, what are you going to lift for? I'll drive you home. Right. You know what I mean? I'm on the way. And she said like that if, if I expected her to give, to give me a blowjob. Right. And I felt so bad. Like I was like. Like the same thing with like you're saying like this domestic violence. Like, why would you think that just a ride? Right. You know what I mean? And she was like, "Well, you know, like guys and this and that." And I was like, "No, I was right. like, that is not. I'm just giving you a ride. Like that's it. Like you know what I mean? Like, like that's it. Like there's no. I, you, I mean, if you want to give me gas money, that's on you. But I'm not asking for anything. I offered to give you a ride because it just makes sense, right. you know. And why are you gonna jump into a lift? And at first, my comedic mind was like, oh, you know what I mean? But at second, I was like, man, that's really sad that she was like, you know, she's like, well, most guys want like yeah. something, you know? And that, that's one thing that I've talked about, you know, with the um, therapists and stuff like that, too, where it's like, don't do things with an expectation, right? right? Like, that's because really because it gets it gets felt, right? Uh -huh. You People will feel it yep. where you're just like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you know, don't don't take money from him or whatever or don't. You know, because oh, don't take a gift from him because then he's going to be pissed or whatever that you didn't give him one for his birthday or something. Yep. Like, why'd you give him a birthday present? Because you wanted them to give you one or just because you wanted to give him a present? Right. You know, so I thought it was it was one of those things, like like the same thing where you're just kind of here, like you're in shock or in the sense of like, like, where where did you right. where did you learn this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, and those are like, what it was that saying that good men have to pay for the bad of others or something like that, bro. It's, it's it, juxtap it juxtaposes a lot of one experience I had, right? I was dating somebody and she's just um, from Iraq, bro. Really beautiful woman, really nice too, bro. And so we were, you know, it was the second day we were having some drinks and then um, I, I drove her home and said, don't drive like that. I'll just take you home. And then I drove her home and said, hey, good night. Thank you, my boy. The next day she says, hey, thank you. I said, why? Yeah. She said, because I thought you just wanted to come into my home and just have sex, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, bro, and you share this right now, but it's, inter it's interesting, like, these experiences a lot of women have and how men are stereotyped, right? Yeah. Not not because of just dating, right? Yeah. Um, because of media as well, right? Or their previous experiences could have yeah. a huge factor. Yeah, they right? could have trauma, too, yeah. that they're like, I don't right. want a guy to drive me home because, right, because you know this guy did happened, right or someone intended to do something right so you're intending to do something as well or they didn't take me home when right. they said they were gonna take me home you know right. and that's that's the hyper vigilance right that's the protective mechanism but i think survival i think it also it goes both ways right because they also have to be trying to be able to disconnect those two people right i'm a different person right right like i'm not just because this guy did this doesn't mean that i i'm gonna do that definitely, right definitely and then again like they see like oh well 
why didn't he make a move or you know what i yeah. mean it's kind of like well like i'm you you know you were drunk or this and that or you know right, right. but then again it creates that like doubt right in them right that yeah. there's something wrong or something I, wrong with them right I'm, i feel i'm stuck between being being chivalrous right being a gentleman and then just that that ideology or the or some women having this i, I want to say feminist ideology right Not yeah to the extreme of feminism right yeah but i'm stuck between feminism and like being a gentleman like where do i right because i also open the doors are like you don't have to open it for yeah, yeah, so, yeah and when i don't they're like how come you don't open the door Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. What those is? <laughs> yeah where do i go right but well I, the best thing is just to go with wherever you're gonna feel more comfortable yourself you I, know i just you know what bro i just go with honoring the women whether whatever they do with it, that's them, right? And I explained to them, look, like I was taught to honor women this way, right? If, yeah. If you if you want me to be respectful in that sense, and if you deem that way, cool, I'll respect that, I'll honor that, right? Yeah. But I'm honoring you as a as a woman, your energy as a woman, right? As a gentleman, not because I'm having this expectation of it, right? Yeah. But then look at what has happened in our society now, bro. How we, how we've marketed and we have this capitalized marketing of emotions and relationships, right? Look at all these apps, right? Yeah. There, there used to be an app called, I think it was Mary Jane or something like that, right? So there was an app where if you mm -hmm. were married, you can go into the app just to have affairs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, that was the one. It, it got hacked. It got hacked. There was all it, these emails, yeah. Where, wasn't um, it like, um, uh, I'm thinking like Ashley Madison or something oh, like Ashley that. Madison, was it I Ashley Madison it or something Ashley like Madison. that? Yes. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. well. So, so I think it was Ashley Madison. Yeah, it was hacked right yeah look at all these apps now bro like we've we've redefined relationships now right <laughs> because the apps bro give you a million of women to choose from or a million of men to choose from and, and yeah outside of the woman right and then we create this like who's the one now if you look if we look at esther perel's work that i love her bro she's a marriage family therapist and a couples therapist but she's badass bro like beautiful woman right intellectual yeah. Right. And in a lot of her words, she talks about how the new version of I love you is that I'm dating someone and I deleted my and we met in the app and I deleted that's showing you that I love you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the new that's the new mindset of love for others. Right. Yeah. So we've created this new formulation of relationships. Right. Because now I have a million I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. Right. But we have many men to choose from or many women to choose from. Yeah. Right? And now I don't have to do it. In but we always you. did. We always do, right? Like right. In, in theory, because well, the world has tons of people. You right, know what I mean? Right. But but now but, you feel like oh, many people who are do desire me. Right. And and the thing is that when I get the like from somebody on this app, I feel loved and cared. Like wow, like I'm acknowledged. And then now you filter pictures and yeah. you put someone who's not you, right? Yeah. Because we're filtering pictures. We're doing all this stuff yeah. now, right? And so we're creating this whole plethora of insecurities right leaves us with a lot of insecurity now because i met the one well you know what she's not the one so this the next one and then the next one and we continue to have this cycle of the next one and the next one is one because you keep meeting well but it, what a lot of people say or even psychologists say it's more it's the um you're you're addicted to that that feeling and that dopamine right, right. when you're just Definitely. like kind of like that initial like oh yeah, yeah. Right. and then so that wears off and now you really have to dig deep now you have now you're building now you're you know you're kind of meeting each other's you know families and routines now it's just not like fun right now you have right. to do a little work now there's there's days that maybe aren't so great yeah. and now that's when you're like oh maybe it's not meant to be 
because that feeling of happiness wore off, wore off right because it was just that initial dopamine and then we had sex and blah 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 and now you're really like now you got to dig in it's yep. like well ugh, i feel different <laughs> that means it's not this person yep. like you said boom let's go to, yep. you know on to the next one yeah so we've um infatuated right we create this infatuation or this fantasy of that person because when that person likes me back then i feel acknowledged like wow yeah. like really you're choosing me like yeah really right yeah which is a great feeling for right. you know for right and it's everyone right. we want to be chosen right yeah i mean as human beings um they, they asked they asked one time they asked me sometimes like how do you how do you like if you if you're how do you women would drive men crazy is it just by the attention let's just say let's just say you're let's just you're at a club or at a bar right and you see the best looking woman in there right and she acknowledges you yeah how does that change that man right changes I, I always tell I, I would always have this joke about like i would tell because i used to have a um a, a friend that a, a roommate of mine that was she was a girl i lived with the girl and she didn't get like i was like you need to compliment men more she's like what do you mean i was like just try it i was like just not that you're gonna try to hook up with them or anything but just just try it and see the reaction where you're at a bar and you're like hey nice shoes and a guy's gonna be like, <laughs> like, because it doesn't happen. Girls are always like, "Oh my God, you're beautiful!" And like, you, could, you go on Instagram, every single girl, like, it's all their friends, right? right? Girl, you're so perfect. This and that, you're beautiful. So they hear it all the time, and they hear it from guys too. Oh my God, look at you. Oh my God, this and that. But guys don't hear it as often. They're, they're you know, I had a friend who would be like, "Hey man, like, your outfit looks sick today." And at first it was weird to me, but then he just kind of kept doing it, and then I, and then I would kind of be like, "Hey, like, thanks, like." Cause it was genuine right and and it's it, that's something that guys don't do a lot of right, right. they want to make fun of you like oh you sure look stupid right you know yeah. and i and i think you said a cute word bro like being general being authentic right yeah a relationship is hard for some people too right because we have a lot of self-doubt yeah right a like i gotta be something that i'm not exactly. and you know so, that's one thing i always say is like don't what's sustainable and that's literally the um the one that we had with the therapist was all about how to build sustainable relationships because if you're showing up as someone that you're not it's not going to be right. sustainable right and, and, but it goes back to the coping right that's the way he copes right because in reality who are we how, how do we how do i get to a point where i know who i am right yeah. like how do we do that where me as a male as a male mexican american male yeah how do i get there how do i get to show up and be vulnerable right that takes work right so and, and i'm not saying this is good and she's wrong right but i'm just trying to really critically think oh yeah yeah, yeah of thoughts, course right like when you show up to somebody and you're who you are, who you are, because from childhood I've been bombarded with all these messages, these social messages, right? That I have to portray someone or not because that's why I'm accepted through movies, through or everything. the way that you've seen the, the dynamic of your parents Definitely, too right? of that relationship, right? or you're just told in your condition that this is what women want, right? And then we go into into in, in all these I, I don't know I'm just gonna talk about like I'm dating one on one right for example yeah, yeah, right yeah. and well, you should be like this and we see movies bro yeah, we yeah, see movies yeah. at all but, or I, I'm against checklists bro I'm not, I hate I'm, it I'm yeah. against dr draw ten characters oh it's because you didn't want. do this yes. that's why she didn't like that's you exactly because it. you didn't, you know but that builds expectation right yeah that's bill's expectations that you're not gonna get that's your idea of who you want to meet it doesn't mean yeah. that's who you're gonna meet right but well, this is what but i happens. do well, another list that i do think is, is good is your non-negotiables 
like like i don't want to be fucking i don't want domestic violence i don't want to be verbally mistreated i want someone who will respect me i right, want some you know right. those those non-negotiables have to be very clear right, you know what right. i mean and then also being very vigilant with that because sometimes in psychology bro we polarize it that was carl young's work right yeah. i don't want someone who i don't want to be in a relationship with domestic violence well you're yeah. in a similar relationship but it's not domestic violence it's causing anxiety. It's causing depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which domestic but violence causes anymore? But it's not. Yeah, he's not hitting you, <laughs> yeah. right? And and that's in the hardest thing, bro. Because in domestic violence, just talk about the physical, psychological, emotional. But we don't talk about passive relationship or passive control. Yeah. Right? Or romantic control. Some men, honestly, they use romanticism to control. Yeah. Right. And I've, I've dealt with this well, the, again to the expectations, right? Like, right? well, the thing is this, bro, it's, it's like, I'll give you an example. Right. And I was dealing with this in counseling one time. Right. And so they walked in and, and um, I was talking to him and she would dress a certain way. And he's like, and he mentioned it many times. Like, I mean, don't, don't wear that dress. You know what? I love those jeans. I love the way they look. It's going to gusta mucho those jeans and stuff. And I just love it. The way she interpreted it is like, Oh, he cares how I dress. Well, this guy was controlling her. because He didn't want her wearing dresses. Right, mm -hmm. because he didn't want to show her the legs, and then she looks all nice, and so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. So he would use a lot of romance, but it's because me gusta. I love it how you dress, and you wear these heels with these jeans and these pants, and he was controlling how she's dressing and the yeah. way she interpreted. She caught on to it later on. Yeah. And or, um, he was um, a former. They were gonna go. She was gonna go to a trip, right, to Yellowstone Park with her friends on a weekend. Right? They were gonna go camp and hike and so on and so forth. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but go ahead and go. This was like on a Monday and stuff, right? Yeah. Thursday came and he's like, guess what, babe? Like I made reservations to your favorite restaurant you wanted to go. I know, I know it's cool if you don't want to go, right? It's cool if you don't want to go. But um, I, I, you've been always wanting to go and, and I don't have any more like days off. So I took the day off. I didn't want to tell you because I don't want to ruin it. But, um, but it's I don't cool if you want to ruin your go, trip. Yeah. Guess what she did? She stayed. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she, it was hard for her to catch on to this until I started mentioning it. Like, mm -hmm. This is some form of control, right? Yeah. She couldn't realize it till later on down the road. So they use romance to control, mm. right? And so some women don't have that language either, mm -hmm. right? It's a lot of passive control, and that's the hardest thing to detect because women don't know how to how to detect the passive control because then they start to feel bad. Like I see, pobrecito, he took that day off for me. It means something for her, yeah, right. And so she cannot detect, like, he's literally controlling her, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, or she was going to go to Mexico, visit her family, like, hey, baby, you wanted to go to San Francisco? I got the day off. I'm being sent to work. And he, it was very rare for him to travel with her. All of a sudden, she's going to go to Mexico. But no, I want you to go with me. He didn't allow her to go with her friends or family to Mexico. Yeah. To visit her family. Yeah. Because he sold this, like, hey, we're going to San Francisco. You've been wanting to go to San Francisco to have dinner, so let's go. Yeah. So... He was controlling it this way. She had no clue that that was going on. Yeah. Right? How do we teach that to our young girls? Our young girls. We sell it, bro. This is how we sell it. We teach kids to apologize, not being authentic. Mm -hmm. Right? Look at the way, um, I'm going to put it this way, the way domestic violence relationship starts. Elementary school, kindergarten. There was an incident where a boy lost the ball. It kind of went away from him. The little girl grabbed, the little girl was going to give it to him. I was there, right? He was going to give it to him. The kid grabbed the ball and pushed her. It's my ball. She fell down. She hit herself hard. She started crying. Mm -hmm. And the teacher's like, come here, come here. Scolding him. You should ever do that. I hear you lost the ball. You lost your privilege. You're going to lose recess. Apologize to her. And she's crying. And he's like, I'm sorry. 
She said, it's okay. Go play. You sit down. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. So I pulled the boys back, the girl and the boy. And I told the boy, I want you to hear what she has to say. And I told her, how does this feel? How did this feel? He said, I felt angry. I felt sad. It hurt. Don't tell me. Tell him. Right? Here's a, a, a five-year-old kindergarten telling them, I feel angry and mad because you pushed me and you hit me. Right? She's sharing what she feels. Yeah. And this little boy just automatically, I'm sorry. She says, it's okay. I said, whoa, it's never okay for a young man or a young boy to hit you. It's never okay. Right? You have the right to accept his apology or not. You can say, I accept your apology or I don't accept it. You have that right. And she did say, I don't accept your apology. Right? Okay. But then where do you go from there then? So then from there, you have her cool off and reflect on it, bro. Right? And so then I teach him, I said, if she doesn't accept your apology, we have to honor that. Because we have to understand that when we hit the harm that it caused her, mm -hmm. right? We don't have to resolve the conflict there. In adults, sometimes wives ask for time. Hey, you know, give me my time. Yeah. Let me chill. Let me sit with it and let me think but about it. But I think it, there needs right? to be definitive, especially with adults, there needs to be definitive um like outcomes and outcomes and, and, and then you say like basically say if i need my time there needs to be this is where my time like give me a day right, right. give me a couple Definitely. hours yeah, yeah, instead of, of just like i need time i need space yep. and then you're like okay so what does so, that look like what so is then, that a week from now is that a month from now is that you know so then the conversation with this boy is like we need to honor what we did if she doesn't want to apologize right now then you can check in with her yeah. right at lunch and see where she's at you can respond where you're still at. And then I, I go and I facilitate it. They're, they're yeah, going to forget. Yeah. They're going to go to recess. And they're just, you know, they'll forget. Yeah. They're five years old. Yeah. The conversation here, bro, the dialogue. And then the girl said, please don't do it anymore. I did tell her, though, don't you ever. When someone when someone tells you um, 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 that they're sorry because they hit you, it's never okay to say it's okay. Because it's never okay for someone to hit you. Yeah. It's never okay. Right? But isn't it more just accepting the apology that they, they're giving? No, I mean, when you say it's okay, is you're tolerating someone's aggression, right? It's like, if I hit you, bro, and they yeah. throw my bad, and you're like, no, it's okay. Well, it's not okay for me to just hit you, bro, right? Well, yeah, but I'm saying it's okay to your apology, like to say, hey, oh, no, like yeah. I accept your well, apology. I mean, even, even in that thing, just the way our, our receptors, our mindset, and our just the way our brain is, is wired, right? Our receptors take it differently, yeah. right? Um, because our subconscious does not differentiate. That's Carl Jung's work, bro. Our yeah. subconscious does not differentiate between it's okay, it's not okay. It just responds to what we give it, right? Mm. Our subconscious cannot differentiate between you being being three years old and, and having some form of like anxiety or adversity, for example, bro, and being 30 years old in a relationship and having that same anxiety. Your subconscious just responds to an event, yeah, right? And so the way we consciously feed into it or we the way we make unconscious conscious is through relationships. Yeah, That's why when, they, when men and women say, um, but you know what? I'm not going to get in a relationship till I'm ready. Right. We need relationships to teach us and mirror what we need to work at. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah, why we have those therapists that help us and so on and so forth kind of navigate that. Yeah. Right? And then different people can trigger different things, Definitely. you know, like you could, or, or you could, you know, I know I've been in the position to where like, I, I, you know, oh, I've healed on this and I've, you know, I've done, I've improved on that, which I definitely did make a lot of, you know, progress on things that I wanted to make progress on. But then you meet somebody else like, oh shit, like. 
this never came up before at all and then there's you know something's coming up now right. you know so but now the, at least i have the facilities right to like okay right. like let me and the resources to know how to yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is is what does that say about us right when we have experiences like that in relationships or at work what does that story say about us right not about her right it's not about you made me feel blah blah blah, blah right yeah. what does that say about me my interpretation of this event what does that say about me right and i think that's a huge um resource and tool to have right um, because it helps us self-reflect on what it is i need to kind of go internally in myself what is what is it still there right that i that i need to continue to work on right because there's always going to be something yeah right because we've created chaos in relationships right and and a lot of people like you said a while ago a lot of that trauma from a lot of women a lot of young men as well right because we have trauma we just manifest it differently as well yeah right some of our trauma we want to control right and that's a form of me having some control myself since says of myself is controlling others right because they won't leave then my relationship is not threatened that i'm gonna be abandoned or rejected yeah by that person so when there's conflict and then we start to develop like anxieties or insomnia and I can't sleep, then I have a, a negative view of myself. More than likely, bro, it could be some form of traumatizing events when I was a kid because there's a difference between trauma. People, sometimes people don't understand trauma, bro. Trauma is not what happens to you. That's not trauma. That's traumatic. Right? Yeah. Trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you, right? That's Gabor Mate's concept. Yeah. And so it's what happens in my biology and my psychology, right? Because not all events are traumatic, right? Not all of them, yeah. depending on my experience of that event and what we call it, my cognitive schemas or my associations to my mapping world. Depending on that, it's the way I'm going to respond to it. Also, depending on the resilient factors I have. Yeah. We need resiliencies. That's why in, in today's society, there's a lot of kids who are not resilient because they're so numb because they're in technology all the time. Years. Yeah. Years. But we start them at two and they continue to be in technology 10, 11, 12, 15 years of age. Yeah. Right. So we just take away the iPads and we give them cell phones and now they're texting. So the interpersonal skills, bro, it, it's they're deficient on that. So when these young men, I'll give you an example, go on a date, they don't know how to navigate a relationship because skills weren't developed. Because they're, yeah. they're so in tune into texting. So texting, you're a master. Oh, you can manipulate texting. Yeah. But when it comes for me to sit in front of you and have a thorough or a conversation like the one you and I yeah. had, they don't have those yeah, skills, exactly. those interpersonal skills. Yeah, so they'll they, go home and they'll they'll text instead of like like having that face to face. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. And we don't talk on the phone no more. It was a trip. I got called, you know, I, it was like years ago, bro. And I, I talked, called a girl. And she's like, this is so weird. Right, going again, weirdos, right? Um, I've never talked on the phone. She said, it's very weird that you're calling me. Because I said, dude, I'd rather call, I text. Like, uh, texting is not, it's very impersonal. Yeah, maybe it's, you're it's driving or something. You're like, hey, yeah. I'm just going to call her or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so having a conversation on the phone, it, it's very weird. Why? Because it takes time from you. It takes time from you well, to do whatever it is you need to do. Yes, but it, it, it it's respectful in the sense of like, I want to give you my full attention. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know? Yeah. It's just like I said, like something like this. It's like we're here. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Yep. I'm not like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, say what you want to say. And then, you know, I'll tag back in when I'm, when you're ready for me to talk. Right. No, it's a conversation. I you agree know? with you. So then, you know, carrying this work in trauma and then relationships, bro, it, I mean, there's a lot of it, right? There's a lot of this projection in, in all these um, unresolved, you know, um, adversities or wounds. Yeah. Right? That they, they become and they're thriving. Um, and so some, some women, not all, and some men. Yeah, seeking relationships so they can be rescued by them, right? 
Yeah. And you have your codependency in the relationship. But um, besides codependency, we need interdependence. Right? Yeah. I think the work should be interdependence and we don't have interdependence. It's just codependency. Yeah. So I guess in, um, in, in, in closing, I think we can keep going on for forever if we did, you know, there's you tons gotta, of, there's tons of stuff, <laughs> you know, but like, what do you think is a good, is a good place or, or if there are any resources, I know that, um, I read a book about attachment by, uh, uh, it's called attached by oh, Amir yeah. Levine. That's a good one about like okay. attachment styles. But what, what do you think, especially within, within the culture and Latino culture, if you have, you know, strict parents, or if you have, you know, parents that aren't very involved or something like that, the people that we grew up in these situations where maybe they didn't have the model of a good relationship, what would you kind of leave people with, you know? You know what, a, a good resource for that, bro, is Laura Goodman. Dude, she's deep in that work. She's a psychotherapist from Argentina, and um, or Enrique Corbera. <clears throat> He's Spaniard, bro, in a lot of the conversations about it in their a lot of their psychology is, is really research-based, but directly to the Latino community, right? Or, or to Hispanos. Right? I heard Argentina is a great place for, the, everybody has like a psychologist, it's like having a barber. Yeah, well, you know, Argentina, from what I know, they've been named globally, bro. They have like the best psychiatry yeah. work, bro. They have a really good I heard they have the work. most psychologists per capita. Yeah, bro, they really have a lot of good work. But a lot of good, I mean, she's done studies, um, before, during, and after pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And she's able to really decipher what women go through um, and how that child, and she talks, she really dives in her work of, um, of attachment theory, right? And then she talks about um, attachment styles. And I think those are key too, right? Because yeah. our attachment styles, bro, show up in our relationships, yeah. adults, right? They show up and I know we can, I can go further on attachment styles, bro, and stuff, but um, a lot of Goodman is good one, bro, for, for a lot of the Spanish speaking community right yeah um if we go to the english-speaking community bro i mean we just shared a lot right like dr gobor mate Bessel yeah. dr bruce perry uh and and one i do suggest for relationships bro it's um esther perel esther perel's work to me as i'm now and john gottman john gottman has done scientific studies yeah well. I, i've i've heard i mean i think that i i prefer because uh, we've gotten into the the, the gottman I feel like it's very surface level, yeah. some of the Gottman stuff. Um, and I think, I, I think one, one thing is, I think Gottman is very like, you know, how do we communicate? But then it doesn't, it doesn't have much depth to like right. the schemas and the like, why are we communicating right. in this way? Or there, why are these, a, these other things that are creating uh, that? There's a, there's a video he has, bro. He talks about more like profound work with uh, marriages and, and a lot of the research that he did on that, right? Yeah. But um, Esther Perry will be one of the ones, bro. She's she's really deep in that. Where she has live podcasts on her in her sessions. So um, what what's her name? Es Esther Esther Perel. Como Esther, but with the H and Perel P E R E L, and um, she has live sessions um, on um, on her pod. She has a podcast and live sessions with her therapy work. Oh nice. So live counseling sessions, bro. I mean, it's in because she wants people to hear all these men, right? And, and these women, if you see a lot of her work, it's it's really deep work. Bro. Yeah. I really like her work. So those are, you know, a few, you know, resources that people can count on, on and stuff. But I think um, the milestone for, for a lot of this, bro, is, I mean, doing, obviously, um, having the access resources that we think is going to be best for us. Yeah. What benefits us. These are resources that can help us and guide us. But the work we have to do, right? Yeah. We have to do that work ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, it's great to it's great to hear that you know you're doing a lot of the work with with kids and and being somebody that you know they need. I think a lot of people, 
you know, sometimes just see, see it as a job, you know what I mean? And they're yeah. just like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm off, I'm off of school. I'm yeah. done, you know, oh. but I think there's a lot of investment that goes into that. Definitely. And, and it's tough. I know there's a lot of kids and the workload, you know, like you said, grows and then the, the income doesn't. So, um, I don't think it doesn't matter how much you got paid. You only still, you still only have so much bandwidth, right? you know, so there needs to be more resources for, oh, for kids, um, bro. you know, to help them out. Um, and it's also good to see, you know, somebody from, from national city, something yep. that, you know, can, can, is not afraid to kind of look into these things and, nah, um, Latinos as well. So we can hopefully, you know, the whole thing is like, you know, we're all weird to the point that we're like, Hey, we're not weird. Right. It's right. not weird that I feel this way. It's not weird that I want to express myself, um, or that I feel sad or that I feel, you know, mad about certain things right. and, you know, um, and that's where we want to, that's where we want to be. Yeah. Definitely, you know? bro. And, yeah. So and I appreciate being invited here. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, shout out to my brother for yeah. <laughs> being that link, the right? facilitator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for, yeah. For, for us, bro. And you have a, I love the podcast, bro. And I love what you, where you stand for too. You know, I like it and, and I appreciate the, the, but I acknowledge that providing yeah. this space for me to share that palabra, you know, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. I mean, I think I think we're not have to have you back, man. We're not. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that you you brought on, and I think there's a lot more that we can we can uh, we can go on for days. Um, where can people find you, or if you want them to find you? Yeah, no, no, just Hector Mesa, right? Um, at um at my Facebook page, just a Hector Mesa, right? Just my page, bro, and then um hex zero eight, right? At um. Um, on Instagram and I post a lot of my stuff there like you know with, with the TV and all this other mess out with the Z mess out with the Z yes good. yeah for that. and you know we initially didn't uh, really go into your your um, your resume but you know people probably see you on uh, on channel 12 on right, you know right. locally yeah I do a Canal lot of 12 stuff on channel 12 on, on radio um, with Moses um, Hispanas um, as well I yeah work there bro I do a lot of conferences workshops a lot of educational formation training to teachers and a lot more workshops to parents yeah or a Spanish-speaking community and a lot of the work that we're talking about but most of uh, the, the workshops are about just relationship based like family values um, social relationships with kids you know and, and how to understand behaviors right and where, yeah. they, where they stem from right um, and then I use a lot of like the frameworks are like the neurobiology, neuroscience space, right? And I talk a lot about brain development and how that affects us, right? But then how we can also, you know, um, heal. Yeah, and giving cities. practical resources on it because I think sometimes people get scared off like, oh, that's too much, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But having somebody that, like I said, it's good to have somebody that's from the community that understands it and can can be a resource as opposed to like, you know, Hey, I'm coming from La Jolla to fix National City. Oh, Sometimes yeah, you feel yeah. like, eh, well, well, I you mean, know. You, <laughs> you know. have that in the district, right? You have yeah. people who don't understand the community, but they're yeah. there. So I, I live in the city, right? And I want to really give back to the community as well. And I've been, I've provided workshops for National City Middle School. I just finished with Granger. Yeah. Oh, that's where I went. Yeah, I, I was Granger. there too. I was there yeah. with Granger, yeah. And obviously Sweetwater, bro. So I want to give back to the guy. I understand that I grew up in the community. I ran yeah. the streets, right? I mean, part of my uh, personal experience, I grew up in, I was a youth gang member, right? In National City. Yeah. My brothers and uncles were, were in the gangs there. And um, there's a, like a slight documentary in my life, right? Called their Way Out with County Office of Ed in, in Cal State San Marcos. Oh, really? Yeah. So they. Where can people find that? Or uh, you know that, what? I, I, I think it it was PB, PBIS had it at that time. I don't know. This was back in 2000. KPBS? Um, KPBS. KPBS. Yeah. yeah. 
or PBIS. I think it was one of those. So I don't remember. It was like 2008, bro. And so, yeah. they, so it was just pretty much like as a, as a youth gang member and what happened to your education, like how'd you end up, you know, becoming this educator and yeah. kids. So, and I talked about my mentor. and So then, then they screened it to, to a lot of um, social workers, psychologists, kind of, they work with youth. Yeah. And yeah, then we yeah. talked about, we had like a table and they just asked questions, bro. And, and honestly, bro, a lot of my answers were like, we have to be odious with, um, like with oppression yeah we can't if you want to work with youth can be repressive with youth right yeah and we're with kids as well and then i talked about you know the disparities and the inequities that i had growing up yeah i didn't have the resources that others had right? so yeah that was huge for me so now that i'm that i lived it and now that i'm kind of practicing it right in yeah. psychology or social social psychology and that's a school family counselor bro i, I see a lot of that yeah, well, it's good because it gives people hope, too. Because like I said, sometimes you hear all this, like, you got this, you went to this, you went to that. And sometimes people are like, well, fuck, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> But it's like you're able to kind of, you know, still get out of it and, and rewire yep. your thinking. Definitely. But it takes the awareness, Definitely, right? It's like you need to be yeah. willing to yep. to see, you know, where where you're lacking or where you can, yep. you know, improve. Yeah, Definitely, brother. You know. So yeah, no, and and I agree. The part part of my experience has also been, you know, growing up in domestic violence and yeah, um, and a lot of that, bro. So a lot of it touches home, and I, I have the firsthand experience, right? Yeah. Not only did I read it and research it, but I lived it. Yeah. Right? With, with my jefita and my mamacita and stuff, and you know, growing up with 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 poverty too, and yeah, from from my parents coming from Tijuana or being undocumented as well. All those experiences, bro, just kind of conflated into a week we are today yeah that's good because like i said sometimes you look at people and you're like oh you don't get it it was like no i get it you know and so it's and there's there's light at the end of the tunnel Definitely. so it's great uh so again man th thanks for coming on oh, thank you um you know shout out to, to your brother for yep. be, being a, a big supporter uh, of, <laughs> of what you're doing i think there's a lot of people obviously out there supporting you but i think you know for good reason you're helping a lot of these kids and it's good to, for them to have somebody that they they can you know that that cares about them right yeah, a lot of the times it's just like it i said people that just treat it like a job so you do have to it, those are you know kids there's a little lives you know that yeah. they like you said it's formative years definitely. you know that that definitely make a difference to them and for them if they don't have that father figure at home it's good for them to at least have somebody that they can they can look up to so yeah. again thank you for your work man and thank, thank you. you thank you for coming on appreciate uh, everybody hector mesa yes yeah. <laughs> on the mesa Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you, everybody.